1: dogs look at us now tip to tip this is our life this is our passion that's the spirit we bring to this show i'm luke thomas i'm brian campbell this is morning combat
0: hey it's the monday it's the monday the monday there's only one monday and it's the monday the 27th of february 2023 and it's time for morning combat hello everyone We're going to react to all of the wonderful things in the world of combat sports that happened over the weekend. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., joined by my filibustering friend. He just just can't stop filibustering. Should be on the Senate floor in my hometown, but he's in his own hometown, which is Connecticut, a place in Connecticut, and it sucks. Because it's Connecticut. Hi, Brian Campbell. How are you?
1: I'm in my home state of New England. Get it right. Okay, Luke, thank you very much. Great to be back on this Monday morning. Weird weekend of fights, and I know everybody can't wait to show up and hear BC try to work himself out of the corner on scoring that Paul Fury fight, but I rewatched it, guys. Don't worry. Did you get beat up for it? I was wrong. It should have been, it should actually have been seven rounds to one in favor of Jake Paul. So I got that one wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks, but uh, but uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to pull Luke Thomas here. I just don't care. All right. No, seriously, I rescored it. We'll talk about that, but great okay. to be back. Uh, Luke, would you say that Sunday offering was surprisingly not dramatic, but entertaining, compelling to a certain degree? I thought it was all right. I again, it's the same
0: thing I have with Jake Paul in, in general. It's like I'm not even, I'm not saying it's it's not terrible. It's not, dude. But it's, I thought I thought Arnold Allen had a good tweet about it where he was like, it's definitely these guys are not so bad you can mock it because um, it's not that, but they're definitely not so good that it's thrilling. And so yeah. I think it's somewhere kind of in the middle of that. So I'm definitely not going to hate on it, but it wasn't like mind-blowing or something it was all right it was all right it was all right for a sunday anyway uh so we'll get to that we'll talk about ufc as well we'll talk about some of the boxing over the weekend we just mentioned that one but there's other boxing and then of course there was bell the return of Yaroslav Amosov. we'll get to all of that and more thumbs up on the video hit subscribe if you are new here we do it live three times a week 11 a.m in the east in addition to all the weekend's shenanigans by the way this saturday we will have a post-fight show to react to ufc 285 and also bc speaking of sundays yesterday the pregame preview came out with chuck mendenhall for ufc 285 so you can check that out youtube.com slash morning combat we get you set for everything with the return of john jones and of course we'll lean into that more as the week now, now quickly
1: on that pregame preview luke uh, we do great work the trio of us so get fired up for this weekend's card but i did get a lot of people saying oh bc you must have been in the eighth row brother um you know Wait till you see the pregame preview for UFC two eighty six, Luke, because we filmed those back to back, and the the tiger thick caught up with us a little bit. So it got a little, it got a little uh, sweaty, sweet nectar there, and uh, a little loose on the, you know, a little loose there. So we'll, we'll, and you can enjoy that in the future. Thank you. Yeah, although I do think the
0: two eighty five one came out pretty good. I was pretty happy with that one. But, well, I mean, um, we got
1: we got Chuck, who could, who is like, you remember, dude? Do you remember, um. Who was that guy that would sell things all the time, and then he died of a heart attack? You know that guy, Billy Mays, dude. you remember when he took the the flex tape and put it on the bottom of that boat, and it didn't leak? That's what yes. Chuck Mendenhall is to Morning yeah. Combat, dude. He's the
0: he's the parachute. Like we hit we hit it when we just fall out of the plane, and yeah. we usually get to the ground okay. Right, something like that. Something um, like that,
1: Luke. Uh, he's okay. the responsible parent in the in the house when we when we get together. Okay. Uh, BC, I want to remind
0: everyone, Showtime is the label that pays. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. We also have merch, morningcombat.store. You can get this. You can get BC's hat. You can get BC's shirt. You can get all kinds of fun stuff out there. BC, I took my daughter to school today. Yeah. I, I, I drop her off in the morning, and then my wife picks her up in the afternoon. That's the routine that we have. and uh, not, not even trying to. Not even trying to. I happened to realize as I'm walking my daughter to school I had a Morning Combat beanie, a Morning Combat jacket and a Morning Combat t-shirt. I felt I felt a little stupid just sort of repping the brand as uh, as uh, nakedly as I was, but your boy was doing it. So I love it.
1: Look, I love all, it, okay? All of my
0: shelf is just my clothes it's just it's just MK merch. It's crazy. Did you point.
1: see did you see that Jay Paquette made this for me, Luke? And he's currently making a shirt out of your hair at the same time as well. Right now he's he's weaving it together, and uh, it's great, Luke. Big, yeah, big he's, fan he, of our He's disturbing. Can we put that? He's oh, disturbing. Stop that. Luke, it's okay to have really nice people in your life who support what you do. You don't have to put them all down, okay? I'm
0: just not used to it. I'm just not used to it. <laughs> it's a foreign it's a foreign feeling. Uh BC. I mean, I we mean to one.
1: Our... One day will I have to to fly out to Mount Unike to identify the body? Possibly, Luke. Okay. Okay, but until that day happens, let's let's give the Paquette some respect. Okay.
0: All right. So let's also start the show. Right before we hit the top five, we're gonna start doing this on Mondays now. Every Friday, we do a segment called Okay, Bet. And we bet. We bet on winners, we bet on fights that are gonna go the distance, fights that are gonna get stopped. BC, you had your
1: best weekend ever you went dude four and i told one. you i'm coming back i took trust me right like andy said all right i back brother i back right now right freaking now luke all
0: right so you here's what here's what bc did bc correctly predicted amasov would win check did not predict ilunga makabu would win which Woo. was surprising we'll talk dude, about that a little bit later who
1: would have thought badu jack wow, wow.
0: i know and he, he looked good too dude badu jack looked pretty good i was actually surprised that was, he, he looked all right Uh, You got correct. Jasmine uh, Jesudivisius would win as an underdog. You got correct uh, that Elvis Rodriguez, Joseph Adorno, you took the over on that. You were correct. And you were also correct that Lineker Andrade over at one championship would end in a KO. That brings your overall total, 4-1 for the weekend, overall total, 9-15. Still some work to do to get that ledger a little bit more balanced, but definitely a strong weekend for you. Mine was not nearly as good. I went two and three. So like you, I got the Amasov pick. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Whiffed on Jake Paul. He lost. Whiffed on. Uh, I bet on Pedro Carvalho as an underdog. That went absolutely nowhere. That one blew up in my face. I thought the I uh, thought the Selecki or Seleski versus Deaton fight would go the distance. It did not. I did get right, however, that Phil DeFries and Duffy would end in a TKO or a KO, which it did. By the way, Mikey tells me BC, I'm five and oh, in picking fights to end in a sub or KO. So I will say on that category,
1: I'm running the table so far. You can add that to your silver linings playbook, Luke. But not to be the Joker at the moment. You mentioned my ledger; it's well more alive and well than Heath at the moment. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Making moves. Brother. All right, that was uh, okay. that was a
0: little bit uh, that was a little bit terrible. He did, he did. By the way, it brings your total overall down to 15. As I said, my overall total 15 and nine. So I'm doing okay, but not the strongest weekend. Didn't I, I cut it in half? Right. Did
1: I cut my my deficit in half there in one week?
0: Yeah, because you were 5 and 14 before. Now you're just 9 and 15. So I'm not sure if you cut it in half, but uh, yeah, actually you did. Well,
1: You would uh, say, though, this performance so far is very typical for how I deal with the MMA space and how they deal with me. I come out looking like a loser and buffoon and everyone forms a certain level of opinion, Luke. And boy, do I sneak my way back in and show you what I'm really all about, you know what I mean? Turning BC, heads.
0: Your your record is still atrocious. You had one bad <clears throat> one. Excuse me, one good weekend. I would wait until you're at least 500 before I start doing the gorilla chest pounding.
1: Okay. Would uh, you want to add any sort of caveat, which I don't believe we've had yet, where you would either you would get a bonus point for going five and zero, oh, or you would get docked a second minus point for going zero oh and five.
0: We haven't done do, that yet. We haven't
1: done okay. that yet. Because I was close to that five and zero, Luke, and I know you were getting a little nervous. I know it. Uh,
0: I, I'm actually happy when you do better, because um, I f- I just don't enjoy beating up on you as much as I thought I would. You know, it's a little it's a little too easy. Um, but okay, neither here nor there. Good job, BC wins the weekend. It marches on. All right, let's go to our top five segments. BC, we will start where we customarily do, which is MMA. But I think the biggest bout of the weekend in terms of significance came to us. Via Bellator. Bellator 291 took place at the 3 Arena in Dublin, Ireland. It aired on Showtime in the afternoon slash early evening. In BC, Yaroslav Amasov returned from war, basically, uh, to unify the welterweight titles. He defeats Logan Storley via unanimous decision. BC, here's the question for you. Did he prove with this win, because I've seen some chatter about it, that he's the top welterweight on earth?
1: Yeah, it's always a provocative discussion when we do that. When we consider, you know, a lot of times we consider, well, the best fighters in the world are in the UFC, and then other promotions can really put out strong divisions. You know, Bellator's got light heavyweight, bantamweight. I mean, so many that that make strong cases where you can suddenly go, do they have the best group or maybe the best fighter? Look, Amazas now in this discussion, I believe at the very least, who takes two years off under that type of mental and physical? duress and challenge of the real life situation of of active war and comes back like nothing happened and dominates a guy who had just given you your toughest fight to date and oh by the way improving to 27 and oh in the process look it was as if the time lapse never happened you actually saw improvements to his game his striking wasn't just a little bit better than storley's it was by a lot Everything he did, the threat of the high kicks, the takedown defense, across the board, it was so good that, no, I'm not mad at you to kind of make that argument. Let's do the mental math. Are we potentially really talking about the best 175, 170-pound 170 fighter in the world at the moment? I'm not sure, Luke. I mean, I think we still have to put a ton of respect on Kamaru Usman's name, who obviously needs to come back and regain that title against Leon Edwards in their trilogy, but was leading on all scorecards and on his way to a victory on, you know nearly tying the UFC's record for consecutive wins in the process but you're talking about someone like Amasov here who has size gas tank good enough striking to not only use it as a deterrent but a weapon at times yeah Luke he's an absolutely complete fighter who's probably only getting better and these two years amazingly did nothing but in, in empower him even more a force to be reckoned with and you know Let's put that respect on his name, because maybe we didn't talk about him for two years for the rightful reasons. But what could you possibly say about that performance, Luke, in the negative? I mean, it was basically shut out across the board.
0: Not much. Not much. That was, that was. I mean, he's got finishes on his record, but in terms of all of the context that went into it, in terms of his time off, in terms of all the challenges he faced and everything else, that's his best performance of his career. Right, I mean, he, he had the best performance in terms of just overall what kind of skill did he show. You look at the first fight. The first fight was nothing but a wrestling match, a very, very, very entertaining one. I don't mean a boring one. It was a great one. Scrambles like crazy and back-taking and this, that, and the other. It was a phenomenal—again, it's arguably the best three-round fight in Bellator history. It's certainly in the running for that. This one was a five-round bout, but it looked nothing like the first one. Logan Storley, I don't have the data. I'm not sure if he got a single takedown in the entire fight and he tried more to the point Amisov's movement gave Storley all kinds of problems I thought it was very clear that Amasov outstruck and we saw some of the highlights the calf kicks were a problem the body kicks were a problem the body kicks into hand combinations were a problem he was landing as the fight wore on more and more and more he got dominant as the fight went on he didn't fade like he kind of did in their first fight in the third round like in every way he showed veteran experience. He showed well-roundedness. And again, I want to go back to it. When the second fight looks almost nothing like the first fight, yeah. it really tells you like there's been a big change in them. And Storley was the one who was active since Amosov was off. And he had long fights against very tough opponents, and he grinded out some wins. And you got to give him credit for it. Those were growing experiences for him, too. He was a better version of what he was than the first time. But Amosov was the guy that, on tape, looked like he had the well-rounded goods before his absence. And you asked me how much was that? This absence going to play a uh, play a role in his comeback? And my answer was, it's just hard for me to believe you can take two years off, and that would be that. That will be in the long run a good thing for you. But I did expect him to look better than he did the last time he fought. He not only looked better, he looked way better. Calm, comfortable in the zone. Is he the best 170-pounder, BC? It's very hard to say. There are really, really good 170-pounders. You mentioned Usman and Edwards. And honestly, Bilal Muhammad it would be, I think, a tough challenge for him, too, just stylistically. He's a tough guy to beat. He really, really is. And, of course, Hamzat and Shafkat and all the guys that Can are Can I ask you potentially... a difficult question, Luke? Well, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Last thing, last thing. But he deserves to be in that conversation at a bare minimum. He is a yeah. very
1: talented fighter. I mean, look, just just look at that performance over again and see. I mean, the depth of it. No, you know, that's funny because we had mentioned, look, what what if some element of of the two year layoff shows up in this fight? You know, whether that be the gas tank, whether that be whatever. I mean, he was better in every category than I thought he could be, considering the circumstances, and that I thought he was before the layoff. And Luke, it's not that it's not as if he had been training for two full years, right? I mean, you know, he had battled some stuff, but part of the idea of this type of cutesy conversation. Could he be the best welterweight in the world? We know the size of the hot on that you have for the rising talent of Shock Rockmanov. If the two of those fought in three months from now, Luke, no title, no organization. They just showed up in that same gym that Rocky and Apollo did at the end of round three and went, ding, ding, Okay. Who's winning that fight right freaking now?
0: Maybe Amosov, because I do think his wrestling is a little bit more um, what he wants it to be. So when he wants it to be, it's a little bit more of a dictating force. He didn't really use it in this particular fight in that way. I mean, he would use the combinations to back up Storley. And then when Storley was covering up, he would then shoot on him underneath where it was totally unobstructed. But that's not exactly the same thing I'm talking about. I'm talking more of like a Habib hard-nosed wrestling approach. Uh, Amosov isn't that either, but he has a gear like that that he could go to that I think might give Rachmanov some problems. But you guys know I'm high on Rachmanov too. Like Rachmanov. Probably is gonna wear a UFC title or at a bare minimum fight for it. And um, you know, anybody who's on that level in that division is gonna be incredibly good. It'd be a tough fight. This is my point, man. Like, I don't it's it's really hard to say who's exactly better when there's such lack of integration between these divisions, UFC and Beltor and whoever else. But at the same time, man, you have that many fights, you had that long a layoff, you had that kind of an experienced opponent who had all the time in the oh, dude, Logan Storley had all the time in the world to get ready for Yaroslav Amosov, and I'm sure he did to the best of his ability. The problem is whatever he was getting ready for, Amosov was already past it.
1: Luke, uh, we made the right prediction here, and, and I think it ultimately came down to the talent between the two, and yeah, we'd seen him fight before, but we expected the two-year gap to change some parts of that. When you do look back at the five rounds that Logan Storley turned in, are you disappointed in his performance, or, or is it more about... Amosov was so dominant and literally shut down every facet of Logan's game that it just is what it is. I mean, how much of this, I don't want to say blame, but how much of this is Logan Storley, who did improve in the two years, you know, didn't do much in this one?
0: Yeah, I think the issue for me for Storley here, and maybe at this point in his career, he's obviously a great athlete, and we know he can wrestle. I mean, these are two things you don't ever have to worry about, and he works hard. So he's got a lot of things there that are going to make him in competitive bouts no matter what. But on the striking side, while I agree he's gotten more comfortable, it appears that the problem is this. He's more comfortable setting up his own offense with it. Uh, I don't know that he's that comfortable uh, dueling with it, right? In other words, if it's just a striking match where you can't you know, use the threat of wrestling or the opponent has the ability to like really reach you from distance, if he's got enough of a well-rounded striking game for that, that's the first problem. The other problem is defensively, Like, I don't see a ton of improvement to the point where he can keep himself safe in bouts like this. Now, again, it sounds like I'm saying he's not gotten better at any capacity. That's not what I'm meaning. What I mean to say is I think the progress with striking has been real, but relatively modest. That's the issue for me. It's just a modest amount of progression. And so, modest progression against a guy like Amosov, who is capable of big chunks, leaps, and every time you see him... That's just a hard guy to fight. That's a really, really hard guy to fight. Also, let's ease off of Logan's story a little bit. If we're having a conversation about Amosov as maybe the best guy in this weight class, independent of organization, you know, Storley's not going to look good against a guy like that. Who not? Not many people are. Not many people are. Right. So, um, it's a tough guy to to like to shine against in that way.
1: Certainly, no, no question about it. And isn't he teammates with? Bellator middleweight champion Johnny Eblen, who's having yeah. a similarly dominant run. The, the more he steps up in weight over over there at ATT, Luke, that's iron sharpening iron.
0: Yeah, I mean, Johnny Eblen, I'm not sure if you saw it, BC, because I knew you were having to do a bunch of stuff when it went down. Eblen was interviewed by our colleague at CBS Sports, Amanda Guerra, about working with Amasov in this time off and spe- specifically getting ready for this fight dude it brought him to tears you know it brought him to tears talking about how difficult it was so yeah well, for for Amasov, not for him and, yeah i got a uh, great sorry sorry yeah. well i was just gonna say like i just it seems like they have a great relationship yeah
1: i got a great nickname idea for our cbs sports hq uh colleague amanda Garrow, who's doing a great job by the way dealing with josh thompson and going back and forth how about ag2 No, is that too, is that too, uh, too it's just, too, it's for just too dumb. It's just too it's dumb. Just, it's la- la- BC <laughs> last thing on
0: this. Here's the problem with Amosov. I have a feeling we're going to see him at middleweight testing himself. Sure. Because here is the top 10, beyond him, Storley, who he's beaten now twice. Michael page. Candidly, I think he'd beat Michael page, Jason Jackson,
1: yeah, but, but we is- need to see it, but we need to see that shit. Okay. If Michael page okay, gets maybe, back, Goji, maybe, but Yamauchi- you, who, who
0: are you? Okay. Gun to your head.
1: Who are you picking? Amosov or page? For sure, Amosov, no question. Okay. But look, you do agree that Paige brings a wild card element that no other fighter can reproduce. Sure,
0: sure. And then beyond that, Jason Jackson, I think, deserves to be taken seriously. Uh, then there's Douglas Lima, then there's Goichi Yamauchi, Neiman Gracie, Andre Koreshkov. He's a wild card too. And yes. then Lorenz Larkin. Lorenz Larkin having a phenomenal last performance. He's a wild card. I'm just saying not a lot of guys in that division where you would comfortably say amosov's got his work cut out for him except for maybe one or at most two that yeah but his, his training
1: partner and buddy is atop of the uh the the middleweight division at the moment luke so somebody's got to pull a dc and and stay away okay
0: all right very good uh we move on to the second topic bc which is the ufc card now Krilov got sick right but the day of the fight and so they had to call it I mean on the broadcast that he wasn't going to compete. So, skipping that for just a moment, we go to the fight that ended up being the main event, which was Brendan Allen, I think very surprisingly but but he earned it upsetting Andre Muniz submitting him BC in the UFC Vegas 70 ad hoc main event. Having witnessed this, and everyone was talking big about Muniz, me in particular. I thought I dude, I know I really thought he was going to win. I thought he was going to roll here. Nope. Totally blew up in my face. So in your mind, Muniz was ranked 11. Does this mean you think Brendan Allen is ready for the top 10 at 185?
1: Well, look, with this type of performance he showed me that that uh, whether or not he truly is ready, I think he deserves an opportunity to show that cuz he had already put together, I believe, a 3-fight winning streak entering this fight. But look, we we know his levels. We, we felt like we knew his upper bound limits. We'd seen him lose before but bounce back with wins. Dude, he flipped the script here. And I thought the emotion he showed immediately afterwards in the post-fight interview with his Davy Crockett hat on by basically saying, like, do you know how many times I've heard people count me out this week? You do wonder, Luke, you know, and we saw that with, with Tommy Fury, to be fair, ahead of Jake Paul. You wonder if somebody in the buildup leaning into what is expected to be you know, a close fight in terms of the odds and on paper, but the collective opinion is pushing back against them so strongly. And you're right. I, I mentioned that comment from Ian Parker of ESPN, a guy that that uh, that I talked to from here and that now now and then. And he said, "Look, there's a form p- potential future title challenger in Muniz, which you know may, isn't isn't entirely out of the question for the rest of his career here." But he got humbled and Brendan Allen raised his game. There's no question about it. His ability to reverse on the ground, which we expected maybe could be uh, Muniz's opportunity to get, uh, you know, to have big moments. And certainly what he was able to do on the feet, never really allowing himself to get too lit up consistently, worked well from distance, had good defense. That all pales in comparison to the surprise of him to go in there and submit Andre the way he did. So, yeah, Luke, hell yeah. It's time for him to show us exactly how good he really is. You got to give these type of fighters, guys that come in, trade wins and losses, need to learn that craft, refine. You got to give them that chance to do that, Luke. And this was uh, an unexpected breakthrough moment, not just getting the upset win, but having the main event fall apart and suddenly this is Brendan Allen's night. You know what I love best? He called out the two guys who had most recently defeated him, Chris Curtis and Sean Strickland, and said, hey, let's run this right back. It's exactly what I want to see out of him, Luke, and I want to see him again here.
0: Yeah, he's had four wins since the Chris Curtis loss, so he's on a four-fight win streak, three of those by rear naked choke. Here's the point, though. His last loss was in December of 2021, so about uh, a year and some change ago, and then the loss before that, his only two losses in UFC are Sean Strickland and Chris Curtis, so it's not like he's losing to chumps. And then the loss to Sean Strickland, which was a catchweight at 195, um, he lost in 2020, which is now uh, November of 2020. So two years and some change. I bring this all up to say, BC, uh, he just turned 27. He just turned 27. I've said this a million times, and I didn't obey my own rule here, so it blew up in my face. And it tells you what you need to know. Like These guys who come into the UFC at 24, sometimes 25, sometimes you can get Ilya Teporia, which still has some things to work on. But it looks like he has a direct line of sight to the title. And then there's other guys who come in there who show flashes of inspiration but need a little bit more time to work things out through the middle portion of their 20s. And when they get to the late 20s and early 30s, that's when everything is beginning to gel. If you're 27 and you're already doing the work that he's doing, it's time to understand that, one, he's capable of massive improvement between fights. But then that leads to the second conclusion, which is you have to be very careful declaring who a guy is when he's in this stage of his career, the, the, the amount of change, both positive and negative, but certainly on the positive side that is capable makes them just utterly different fight to fight. And so uh, what I'll say in this one is that I thought, I thought Allen looked really good. He got caught on the feet more than I would like, but in general, didn't get, di- didn't get into stupid firefights, which he's gotten to before. So he was making better decisions after being hit, which yeah, is he had great. Yeah. Discipline. He had discipline. He had discipline.
1: That's it right. wasn't that he was untouched by Muniz, but it was the ability to to take a step back, regroup, and and be able to swivel. I mean, look, there was there's a lot of plus one elements to his game that I just hadn't seen there before.
0: That's exactly right. Better decision making is really the issue there. Better decision making. So there's still other parts to his game about being hit that probably needs some work, like any 27 year old USC fighter would want to would want to get in. But in terms of just not compounding his own mistakes. He did a great job and he already had a really good skill set already on the ground. Like, look at again, three out of four wins of his last four come by the exact same submission. He is a dangerous, dangerous threat from the back. Now, the question I asked you was, is he ready for the top 10? I would say maybe pump the brakes on that a little bit. Partly, I think Muniz just, I don't know, he looked a little weird, right? He looked a little weird. By the way, if you go to the UFC.com slash rankings page, is it my imagination or is the entire thing in Russian? I oh, think someone hacked great. it. Oh, no. Someone hacked it. <laughs> There's all kinds of Russian names built in. Yeah, someone hacked it. If you go to UFC.com slash rankings, it's hacked.
1: Yeah, if each not each ranking has the person three times, Luke.
0: Yeah, kind of interesting. Uh, what I was going to say was, in speaking of the top 15 for the UFC, I mean, you've got some tough names in there. Chris Curtis is still ranked 14. And he, by the way, he already beat Brendan Allen. You've got Kelvin Gastelum at 13. You've got... Nasourdine Imovov, Imavov. You've got Imavov, and you've got when he's sitting at 11. Darren Till at 15. Maybe he's ready for the top 10. I'm not saying he's not, but I still think there's work to do from 11 to 15 that would still give us some fun fights. Why not do a Chris Curtis rematch, right? Absolutely. Why not do one? That's a yeah. great test in either direction.
1: For sure, for sure. And and you know, again, you asked me. I don't know if he's fully ready. I want to see him though get the shot to start to start facing and defeating guys of that level and ilk. And Luke, speaking. Uh, to close on the hacked ufc rankings page you think somebody could have hacked in some rankings for the women's featherweight division for the first time look we're only six years into this division right
0: uh yeah what well, six years into what division
1: one four five women oh um they've never had rankings yet on the ufc rankings page still yeah, empty yeah still
0: empty it's you know what are you going to say about that i mean it is I mean, what it is
1: yeah, Megan Anderson not coming through that door, Luke. Neither is uh, the other people, Cyborg Beep. Yeah, but now it's, you know, yeah, okay, got it. There you go. Okay. All right, let's talk about the well, or, other... Or Amanda, Well, you get my point. You get the joke. Or okay, I get your you point.
0: Uh, okay, let's talk about in point number three, the other UFC fight on this card that I thought was worthy of some examination here. So after nearly four years, three and a half, basically, Tatiana Suarez is back, and she was victorious, submitting in the second round montana de la rosa via guillotine choke bc did tatiana suarez look to you based
1: off of this performance ready to contend for a title uh yes yes i'd like to hear your your rebuttal and comeback on there but what's most interesting to me after such a long layoff and all the questions about injuries that have slowed her down and what that could potentially do to somebody mentally Luke, she erased that time. I want to compare her to the people that have famously in the UFC erased large periods of time and act like it didn't matter. You know, people like George St. Pierre, Dominic Cruz. I'm not going to say this performance was on that level. No, it was workman-like or workwoman-like, Luke, and ultimately dominant in that one gear. But what it did show me is the thing that that always seems special about Tatiana Suarez to begin with when she won tough at Strawweight and when she looked to be an early sort of long shot dark turn or you know long term dark horse title contender is the mental toughness it just seems to be next level we're going to play some sound later from her on have you seen the shit that will embellish this more but we know what her strength is she came out with that strength and she was plotting and and uh you know, like you knew what she was coming with, but it was like this giant boulder rolling down the hill. Eventually, it broke Montana De La Rosa, and she was able to get and get the position she needed, and she got the finish. What I think is most interesting, Luke, <clears throat> is that despite coming back here in a 125-pound bout, and despite a lot of our early talk heading into her return of wow, the women's flyweight division is suddenly fun again. What the hell does you know, what place does Tatiana Suarez hold if she comes back and gets a win, even though obviously I'm not looking over that she was a heavy favorite, deserved to be, and defeated somebody who's tough in Montana De La Rosa, but skill for skill she should be, unless there's problems from the layoff. She's not talking about flyweight, Luke. She's talking directly about coming back in strawweight and continuing that quest that she was on. So I think there's a lot to like from this performance she didn't show us a lot in terms of striking again it was workmanlike plotting but once she starts closing distance can take you down can do what she does luke she's a force to be reckoned with and intangible wise some people overrate or underrate what that what those things can actually mean dude she has dialed the hell in in almost a scary way uh yeah, do I expect her to fight for a title soon if she can stay healthy in either division if she can start stockpiling wins? Yeah. Yeah, I do, Luke, and I think it's great to see somebody who showed that much talent and faced that much uh, you know, uh, hurdles, pitfalls that are largely outside of your control, put it all back together when the moment calls for it and deliver. But can I tee it back up to you in a way that says, "Luke, from a text message you sent me, I'm a little concerned that you weren't as impressed as i am so why don't you stand up and tell me why
0: so well, the, the question is i asked uh, i'm going to answer the question that i asked you same one which was do I, did based on this performance did i see someone ready to contend for a title i did not i did not now i want to be very clear about this number one to come back the way she did we all know the story after three and a half years and just win in the ufc is already insanely difficult to do it via finish even better up a weight class, even better. Like it's, I don't want anyone to listen to what I'm saying and says like, and try to position it. Like I'm downgrading what an accomplishment it was. It's an outrageous accomplishment and more to the point. This is what I am going to say. I need to see a little bit more. What I'm telling UBC is based off of this performance. Did I see someone ready to contend for a title? No. But I don't know that this performance is necessarily all that representative of what we might get from a more consistent in shape. I mean, she was in shape, but you know what I mean? Like in in rotation constantly Suarez. There's a question about like how representative that is. And I feel like it's not very representative. I feel like it's representative of the person that we got in the cage that night in terms of being gone for so long, but not in terms of what she can actually produce if she can stay healthy and consistently fighting. And here's why I say that. You know, listen, man, women's wrestling in the last four years in MMA has come a long way. And to me, it was something of an interesting sign that most of her wrestling attacks didn't really work very well. She had to switch from her leg attacks. She did get, I think, one head inside single. But in general, most of like the level changing, trying to grab the legs, trying to work the single or the double, it didn't really go very well. Most of the good stuff came from head whips or what you might know as a head toss where she's able to like club the head and then turn and then get uh, De La Rosa off of her base and then almost throw in like a judo throw, right? Like That's, that's what, that's what uh, Tati, uh, Tatiana Suarez was able to use, and, and that's fine because that's a real wrestling move and she has real wrestling and she was able to make it work, but it's almost like a regression that she had to switch it up that way to get the takedown. And I say this to uh, point out, like De La Rosa has not been known as like a fierce takedown defense Kind of person. And granted, it's up a weight class and what Tatiana Suarez was typically used to. Again, it's her first fight in three and a half years. I'm just saying, I didn't see an overwhelming force of nature this time. And I didn't see a huge gap necessarily in grappling skill. I mean, yes, there was a difference for sure. Tatiana Suarez was better, but it wasn't like this. I thought it would be much more of a gigantic gap, and it wasn't. And I do feel like it's important to say four years is a long time for a lot of reasons. Not least of which is how much development of the game can take in that amount of time. And I think Suarez has a little bit more of her work cut out for her than I originally had thought.
1: Well, uh, you know, you tease the sort of natural uh, knee-jerk reaction to that. And I think it's fair to bring up like Montana De La Rosa up to this point at one, two, five, not a world beater, but is big for the weight class. And where is her strength particularly involved with the ground, right? I mean, she's got yeah, Jitsu,
0: not wrestling. Not right, wrestling. but
1: uh, right, but that's not a, a a it's not a foreign disconnection to link your wrestling, your takedown defense into what you do possibly. Yeah, but it's not
0: automatic either.
1: On an offensive level. So if it took Tatiana more time after a break like that at a division above where she competed in the, in the past and above where she now intends on competing moving forward and she didn't get it lit up and she got a somewhat dominant second round submission, I get what you're saying about some things that we assumed would be easy weren't but I chalk a lot of that up to the layoff, Luke, and the injuries and the adjustments she's making. Is she going to have that same t- problem at 115 looking to secure takedowns and using the, the combination of her wrestling skills and her physicality? I'm not sure, Luke. I'm not sure. I'm not sure she's going to have Here's, here's what right. I'll say.
0: <clears throat> we basically agree on the complexion of this fight and how it looked. Suarez was better. She was the better fighter. She won via finish. Nothing accidental about it. She deserved it. It's an amazing accomplishment. I think what some people are looking at is they're looking at this fight and saying, well, because she was off for three and a half years, and yeah, she didn't like completely roll over Montana De La Rosa, but she was better, it must mean that in subsequent fights, she'll make up that difference at 115, and we'll see the old one. And my point is, it certainly could mean that. In fact, it, 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 it might absolutely mean that. It doesn't necessarily mean that. That's my point. It doesn't necessarily mean that we can grade her on a curve such that we can say when she goes to 115, all of the other pieces will pick back up where they were. My point is, let's see. I cannot declare to you to that not to be true. I don't know that. But I just need to know a little bit more about her except for one bout up a weight class after three and a half years to know if she's ready to be the very best at 115. And I don't think that's
1: a crazy thought. Not a crazy thought. I mean, you know, there's things you have to prove over time, but I guess I was more uh, intrigued, impressed by what she did in the long run. Now, now, Luke, specific I'm to in, the I mean,
0: Jose, hold on, don't take it from you now, and I know you're not trying to. I, I'm impressed by what she did. I just didn't see a title contender sure. from that performance on Saturday.
1: Fair. Fair enough in that regard. What do you feel, though, about her comments of wanting to cut back down and continue the run she started at 115 Uh, in theory luke it's a longer path to the title because that that division has more consistent depth since its launch in 2014 i mean it's always sort of historically talented to a certain degree i'll give 125 credit for repopulating but in terms of the size differences she'll hold and the path to the top is this the smartest move in your eyes in terms of the two division offerings to her available to I, her?
0: I I think it might be. I think it might be because her style is physical. She gets a little bit extra physicality out of it at 115. Also, like I give her and the UFC credit here. I think they played this one the right way. She didn't want to cut too much weight for her first one back. I think she still felt she'd be competitive at 125. She was right. And that she didn't want the toughest opponent relative to what um you know her strengths and her weaknesses are. They wanted a a respectable opponent and a talented one, but one that I think they felt was beatable. They were right about that. And that's the perfect, this is my point. Like, if this is just the get back, get right fight, and then she can really begin to home in on the things she's very, very good at with subsequent performances, then this this is tremendous. I'm just saying, based off of this, given the uncertainty around it, it seems a little premature to declare a title contender emerged from this bout for a different weight class. It's a smart return bout, but we still got to see her put that into action before we can r- truly be sure.
1: All right. That's fair, Luke. It's fair. You're not you're not yeah, hurting anyone's right. feelings here. It's fair. We got to see it. We got to see it. Let's do it. Let's hope for her sake she can stay healthy and, and she can stay on that road, Luke. And uh... Also,
0: I didn't like the way she pulled guard. I didn't like that way. Uh, I prefer it when guard is pulled where they wrap the legs before the other fighter has a chance to retreat to the ground. And this time, she kind of had one, and the other one got stuck. But she did a good job of switching the head into the guillotine and then jumping. It's better when you can jump and wrap all at the same time because you can get that real heavy lean um, on the back of the neck when you do it that way. So couple. it it, it seemed to me, BC, a little rusty. A little rusty. Justifiably so. Which is Understandable.
1: And didn't show a lot of striking and, and, you know, look to look to lock up and take down. And, right. and, you know, like you said, had her struggles in doing that, but eventually was able to come over the top with it. But um, let's 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 give that time. I mean, the, the key is she's got to be active and busy and stay healthy. And if she can do that, Luke, I, you know, I, I don't she's somebody that I, I think I see enough of the other areas, the long term questions I have. Yeah, uh, look, so dialed in, so so confident, so determined to to really, you know, persevere through anything that let's work out the kinks behind the scenes. She'll be I think she'll be just fine, but let's find out. I mean, look, there's no short no shortage of, of, of you know, like I said, even historically great names in the division right now. Let's get a couple wins under the belt, and I don't think it'll be long before she's fighting in, in the type of bouts at one fifteen that that with a big performance could propel her right to the top. So Yeah, listen, uh, let's let's hope it. she let's stays healthy.
0: It. Let's hope she can get back into consistent um, rotation. And if she can, and she can show that, of course, after three and a half years, what do you expect? I'm going to look a little rusty, which is totally understandable. She might develop into exactly who we thought, I thought she was definitely going to be. Uh, I think she just needs a couple more rotations. All right, BC, let's get to. I mean, I, I candidly, I don't know how much our audience cares about it. But there's an audience for it, because apparently it broke the bank with CBS Sports in terms of traffic. Jake Paul and Tommy Fury finally, if you want to use that word, fought yesterday. Eight-round contest. Uh, They were about 184 pounds each, uh, give or take. And Tommy Fury wins a split decision. Now, BC, you kind of teased it earlier, so we'll go to you first on this. How did you score it? And I guess the better question is here, what did Tommy Fury prove with this win?
1: Yeah, well, let's start off at the top. Like, you know, we, we, we mentioned sometimes uh, the story of the fight. Who who had the better performance? Which I think people need to realize when you're scoring boxing on the 10-round 10, 10 must system, you can sometimes get a disparity between what the final score is, depending on which way you scored it, and what the fight actually looked like. Why? Because in this case, Tommy Fury was the better boxer throughout. The rounds that he clearly won, he won much more dominantly. I ultimately scored it live, and when it's an eight-round fight, you got to understand if it's an eight round fight with some close rounds, you can get a much closer final score than in a 10 or 12 round fight where there's more, you know, real estate to 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 prove your dominance. In this fight, in this way, I scored at 75, 74 for Jake Paul. And, you know, I got roasted on Twitter and I understand why. What that amounts to is essentially four rounds to four. The points deducted from both of them, which I thought from referee, uh, what was it, Hector Afu were, were, you know, way out of line, way he too was,
0: quickly. Hold on, time out real quick. He was so bad. He was Yeah, way so out of line, bad.
1: way too quickly without the... Pro- I mean, he warned a little bit, but but just sort of jumped the gun, and I felt like the point he took away from Tommy Fury in round six was almost like a makeup call. The good news is both of those canceled each other out to a certain degree, but look, at the end of the day, Jake Paul did score a knockdown in the final round, which gives him an extra point. I had it 4-4 four to four watching live, and of course, you know, everyone's going to skewer me, despite the fact that it was a split decision and one judge had the same score in favor of Jake... You're the boxing guy, all that BS. But let's look at it a little bit closer. I did re-watch it because as we often say, we're not professional judges, but we cover combat sports enough to know what we're doing. But when you're watching and scoring a fight, we have other responsibilities. I'm sending in scores to CBS Sports HQ. We're tweeting out a lot of that stuff. Upon rewatch, Luke, I actually didn't change much. Upon rewatch, I've got it the scores flipped. 75-74 now in favor of Tommy Fury, which to me still comes down in this regard, I switched round two. So here's what you got at the end of the day. Round three clearly won by Jake Paul. No one's arguing that. It was his best round for establishing the hard left jab. They jousted back and forth, and he had a very nice right hand late that hurt, that kind of wobbled uh, Tommy Fury briefly. Round eight with the knockdown, nobody's questioning that. He knocked Tommy Fury down with a jab and seemed to do enough late. But I also gave Jake Paul round five, and I think a lot of people missed that, Luke. Round five was where Jake Paul got du- deducted a point, but what he did after the point was deducted was step up his offense with flurries and landed a big right hand that actually straight up wobbled Fury and kind of for you know briefly took him off of his game. That goes down as a 9-9 round, but because Fury also got a point deducted the next round, they cancel each other out. So there's three, in my opinion, very legitimate rounds for Fury. Three and eight that nobody's arguing, and five. Rewatching the first time I gave round two to to, um, Jake Paul, upon rewatching, I was wrong. That's a Tommy Fury round all the way. But what did Tommy Fury do overall to deserve this? Stepped up his game in a major way. Luke, you and I had echoed the same point on any platform that gave us a chance to talk about this. They're both, look, you still can't argue this. They're both novice boxers. Credit to them, obviously, for the way that they've raised their games and what Tommy Fury did with all the pressure against him. No, he didn't end up signing the contract of all or nothing in terms of doubling down on the salaries and winner take all. But he had a lot of pressure from his family at 23 in this pay-per-view main event to not come out and look like a bum. And you know what he did, Luke? He stuck to the basics. And I think what surprised us all was that him committing to the basics of a power jab mixed with good footwork to get out of the way of counter shots even though he had some good, you know, combination flurries at certain points, most of the time it was power jab, get out of the way. Those fundamentals frustrated Jake Paul and they were actually enough to get the edge in the end. So, good to him. This was the type of performance Tommy Fury needed so that we stopped calling him, you know, just a reality TV star who's trying to live up to the family name. No, he raised his game, he frustrated Jake, and I know there's been people that have been critical from Jake from the beginning fighting Retired MMA stars and said, hey, fight a real boxer with a jab. You may see something different. Is Tommy Fury at the end of the day a real boxer? I think that's still inconclusive. But he stuck to the fundamentals better than Jake Paul did in the end. And I do think he was the rightful winner, even though in real time I scored it against him. But Luke, in an eight-round fight with point deductions, a knockdown... In some close rounds, I know that Tommy Fury more than doubled Jake's punches landed according to CompuBox, but again, that doesn't always tell you the full story of the fight. Tommy pretty much cleanly won the rounds that he won. I thought there were closer rounds than people watching at home did in terms of their online scoring, but the right guy won. That's That's what matters. Jake, of course, has a rematch clause that we can talk about, but I didn't think Tommy Fury, after watching him on Jake's undercard and struggle with MMA fighter Anthony Taylor, who was two divisions smaller than him, and then getting his own close-up in recent fights on ESPN+. He didn't look like a world beater. He didn't even look like a real boxer. On Sunday, he kind of did, Luke, and he certainly looked like a better real boxer than Jake Paul. So you know what? Tommy Fury, you impressed me. You raised your game. And, you know, maybe I needed to rewatch it and score it again to change that one round. But let's not act like this wasn't a, a close competitive fight, and at least the right guy won. That was good to see
0: Okay, so I have a few thoughts on this, BC. See what you think. Um, Easier to argue. The right guy won. The right guy won. Tommy Fury was better. I I just don't... Jake had his moments, certainly dropping him in the 12th. uh, Or what 12th? What am I saying? Eighth. eighth. Dropping him in the 8th, which I thought was good. This is going to sound kind of crazy because Tommy was definitely better, not just for the majority of rounds, but just, just start the timer. How much time one guy was better than the other one. Tommy was better for the majority of the time, too. But what I mean to say is... Jake was a little bit slicker, a little bit. For example, jabbing to the body and then as Tommy walked into him, bending over like a dipping jab but then going high and then crashing into him. That stunted him several times. You could see Jake try and time his overhand right several times and he was so close a couple times. He had a few more tricks than Tommy. But here's what occurred to me about the mistake that I think Jake Paul has made in his career. It didn't occur to me up until now because let's put cards on the table. We both thought Jake Paul was going to win didn't happen we have to tell the, the the audience that but i will say the mistake that jake paul has made to me a little bit is that in getting former mma fighters that's one thing people have focused on that but they should focus more on the age because tyron woodley and anderson silva are not high output guys and so and so a guy like jake had time to work he had time to move he had time to set up he had time to disengage he had time to wrap up Guys who are 40, or in the case of Anderson Silva, 47, they're not going to push the pace on you. Well, Tommy Fury did. Tommy Fury actually just worked a lot, really got in Jake's face, and Jake's game kind of collapsed and imploded for long stretches of the fight because he was just flailing, trying to find something he was too eager to lead into his offense rather than creating separation, using movement, and then setting everything up calmly and slowly again. Using those old opponents was a good way to work on your game. No doubt about it, he got better. But it didn't set him up for a young guy who's, by the way, three years younger than him, who, whatever else you want to say about Fury's skills, not being up to par with X or Y, fine. I wouldn't argue otherwise. But the the pace that he put on him and the pressure he put on him really gave Jake a ton of problems. And I'll say this again, BC, go to the tape study we did right here at Morning Combat. How many times did I tell you he likes to throw the overhand right and look straight down when he does? And you saw Fury get to those uppercuts later. And I want to say one more thing about Fury, aside from you know having a good game plan and then making some reads about the things that Jake was showing him, Jake drops him in the eighth. Now, it could have been People are like, oh, well, he didn't really hurt him. He just knocked him off balance. Well, yeah, because Tommy's footwork's a little bit clunky. He puts himself in positions that when you get hit, you don't have your balance. That's why you have to have a staggered stance and not a squared one. But I'll say this. He gets up off the canvas and took it to Jake Paul to finish the end of that round. Like, he really was the one. Dude, it's funny. Jake is the bigger guy between them. And you would not know that based yeah. on the physicality that Tommy Fury brings to the fight.
1: Let's talk about that. So so in this case, in terms of weight, Jake Paul came in at his lowest weight as a boxer up to this point of 183.6. Fury comes in at the highest uh, at 184 and some change. So less than a pound difference between them. But the upper body, Tommy's body, you know, Jake made fun of it, that he's muscle bound and then the skinny legs. It's not exactly that, but he's more top heavy than not. He used that phys- that muscle, that physicality, he looked like a bigger fighter than Jake, even though he was the smaller fighter coming up. But most importantly, Luke, something we didn't stress on, the 4-inch reach advantage actually came into play in Fury's factor with that jab. And even though I didn't think that was a good night overall for the extended commentary team and Twitter had a lot of fun with the viral moments, and maybe we'll see one or two and have you seen the shit, although I like a lot of guys on that broadcast well, staff. The
0: broadcast was atrocious. I mean, it I was some guys on the broadcast yeah. that I like. But in general, the broadcast... I
1: like a lot right. of guys on that team, but I will say the, the one thing Sean Porter said that was most prescient in, in, in line of the analysis you just gave was <laughs> not just the fact that he's fighting a younger fighter who's going to have more gas over the eight rounds compared to Silva or or Woodley, but somebody who's not standing in front of him. Sean nailed that part. Somebody who's not just allowing Jake to close the distance right. and start to work with his feints and his, and his punches. Tommy was getting out of the way repeatedly, and that was... Look, again, he hung on the fundamentals and he exposed that even though Jake has made great gains and has better fundamentals than the level of competition he was facing before, which is older MMA fighters trying to make the adjustment, Tommy leaned on, Tommy did have a small amateur career and obviously has the the help of his extended family in his corner. Dude, in those last couple of years, he's, he's put his nose down in the gym and, and he did get just enough better to win this fight and you got to give him that credit, but... Luke, I, I hate re-establishing the boxing scoring system to people that don't fully understand. Uh, dude,
0: hold on. Let's let's take a step back. How badly did you get cooked on Twitter that you've brought this up three times?
1: <laughs> I mean, I got nailed, and I you know it's not that I don't have it's not that I don't have the skin for that, Luke. It's just sometimes you get angry when you know what you put out in the world wasn't dude, wrong. In no this case. one
0: on Twitter will ever reproduce your argument in good faith. They'll never do it. They'll take a version of it and twist yeah. it so that you're saying something you're not actually saying.
1: I still get skewered by a certain level of the boxing uh, population for a fight. Do you remember t- summer 2019, that that pay-per-view fight, Keith Thurman, Manny Pacquiao, that overachieved there, Luke? It was a yeah. great fight. Walter White title at stake. People remember, of course, Manny dropping him in the first round, Manny hurting Thurman to the body late, and you go, oh, man, that's Manny's night altogether. Look, Manny was the better fighter on that night. No one's questioning that. The question comes down to the scoring. I had it 7-5 to five for Thurman, and people still want to show up with with uh, torches at my door. I implore you to re-watch that fight. I had it the same score. It was a split decision as the judge who had it for Thurman by one round. It, look, Pacquiao's older. He doesn't fight for the full three minutes. What I'm basically trying to say is just because somebody had bigger moments— we see this in UFC all the time, people calling for the pride rules of scoring— just because you had bigger moments in certain rounds— doesn't mean you won the fight in a 10 round. You know, every when you have a 10 point must system, every round is its own fight. Jake clawed back enough with some power shot flurries at the end of the rounds to make some of these close. Luke, how did you ultimately have the score in real time?
0: Uh, I kind of stopped scoring after the fifth. I think I had it uh, five rounds to three for Tommy. So you yeah. cancel out the point deduction. There was the knockdown in the eighth. And so I think that would make it seventy five, seventy four. Tommy, right? Yep, I that's my that, adjusted score.
1: Like I had the one round difference the first time, and of course that, that Tommy was just better. He was. Just I just better. hate that that mean. And it's like I, I I have to keep reiterating this. Just because the guy one guy did better in a close fight doesn't always mean on the scoring system that he that's won. True. And just be, yes. just because somebody, a judge, a journalist scores it for the other guy, it's a math problem. I'm not watching that fight and going, oh yeah, Jake was better. It's a math problem at the end of the day. Watch the close runs closely and make your own decision. Luke, immediate rematch in the favor of Jake Paul. He was largely humble afterwards. He sent out a tweet this morning, which was meant to encourage his young fans that, you know, judge me by my defeats. You'll see how much I come back. How much of a market, how much interest in your eyes... uh, is a rematch. You know, Jake only had a one-fight deal with ESPN, even though he does have his own rematch clause here. If he activates it like he says he was, he would. And if ESPN jumps on it, one thing you will say, you said it earlier, it did gangbusters in terms of traffic. Was that because it was on a Sunday afternoon and the football season's over? Maybe. Also, it extended out to the casual crossover level of mainstream sports in ways that did surprise me. Is there a big you know how big could a rematch be i mean if they go back to saudi arabia they'll do it for the money but what if you did this in a england soccer stadium what, well, listen, what i think here's... what i think i'll tee it up this way what okay. i think this fight showed me is that we're slow we're pumping the brakes on like jake getting a wbc ranking and fighting a champion one day like i, I don't think that's ever going to happen right I think this keeps Jake in the celebrity bubble now against KSI, against Nate Diaz, against, you know, Tommy Fury if he wants this rematch. What does that do heading into this rematch to Jake's marketability now that he has one defeat? Does that change things? Because to me, it tells it tells everybody now he got as far as he could on his own of trying to be a real boxer. It doesn't mean he can't come back and win the rematch. But I, I think this ends that conversation. We're never gonna see, you know, Jake get to 14 and one and suddenly be challenging a real cruiserweight champion, in my opinion, okay? I think he's gonna go more in that MMA direction starting next year. So what's the what's the want level in your eyes for this rematch and how does this loss affect Jake moving forward?
0: So I said this at the top of the show. I really want to reiterate it because there probably are people in our audience being like, Why are you guys talking about this fight? And the reality is like in terms of relevant boxing, this ain't it. You know, in terms of the, when we say relevant, we mean um, guys at the top of or you know, top fifteen of each division, or guys fighting for titles or contendership position, it represents none of that. And so uh, we understand that. I know our audience for the most part certainly understands that. But I, I want to repeat it to you. Like our, our bosses at CBS came back to us and were like, "This blew the doors off of." I mean, any, anything since the Super Bowl and even before that, not as big as the Super Bowl, but certainly like it's a high watermark event for traffic in sports. And so. You know, I've said this before, like, what is the biggest audience in in combat sports? It's not hardcores, it's casuals. That's the first thing I want to say. And the casuals seem very, very interested. Second, if you are Jake Paul, you got the best scenario in a loss, which is to say it was a split decision, which means you can say it's disputed. Whether or not that's the facts, you can say it. as a marketing angle. And two, he knocked Fury down. Right? He knocked Fury down, and he got one judge to say he won. You can definitely use that to market a rematch, especially given what I already just mentioned, that the audience among casuals, not among hardcores, not among the the rock rib fight fans, but among the casuals, which is a gigantic audience, the interest is high. I, there's no not a doubt in my mind they're going to make the rematch. How soon? A little harder to tell. Probably going to be in England. Probably going to be on pay-per-view. Probably going to make a lot of money.
1: Okay, but what about the idea that this ceiling... This puts a ceiling on Jake in the legitimate side of boxing. Do you agree with oh. that? Oh, uh, unless he's able to show a
0: dramatic leap quickly, which is possible, right? He had a big... Folks sleep on this because, again, we're not talking about... We're gonna The next fight we're going to talk about is Subriel Matias and Jeremias Ponce. These guys are vastly better than what we're talking about here. I understand. So... You know, is he in that conversation right now? I think right now he is firmly where you say he is. KSI's, everything else along that 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 ring of uh, celebrity fighters. He's certainly firmly entrenched there. I do still think he has the possibility to lift himself a little bit out of that space. I, don't, I wouldn't close the door on it completely. But certainly for the foreseeable future... These are his peers. This is who he should be fighting. This is who he will be fighting. It makes the most sense for name value money and competition's sake. This is, Lou Debella was right. He's like, you know, is it a good fight, bad fight? You can decide. It was a fair fight. It was a fair fight, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a good way of looking at it.
1: A guy his own size, a guy with relatively the same amount of experience, and, and he lost a close one, but like we talked about, he was the one who landed the knockdown. There is a rematch clause. If you do it, you understand. But Luke, at 23, even though Tommy Fury exceeded our almost pitifully low expectations coming in, which I, look, I give him a lot of respect. You know, at this point, he probably, you know, he should have signed that contract. He should have doubled enough, down and bet on himself right? as, as dangerous of a move as that, as that would have been. I, I, I don't want to rain on this parade here. I still didn't see enough to believe, even at 23, that that Tommy Fury can do much on the pro side.
0: Um. Okay. Fair enough. All right, BC, let's round out the top whoa, whoa, five. Whoa.
1: You, do you agree? I mean, I'm, I'm saying this to get your opinion, not for you to speed me out of here, Luke, okay?
0: Um. Yeah, I largely agree. I largely agree. Um, I will ask, let me, let me pitch one back to you since I I'd be wrong for not going to this direction at least once. So if, okay, imagine I snap my fingers and as soon as I do, you are the manager of Nate Diaz. What do you tell him should be his next move?
1: It's interesting. Um, If Jake, look, if they run this back. Let me
0: me add one more because we just saw Floyd do the Aaron Chalmers thing in London. And when I say no one was there, I mean, no one was there. I'm not saying Diaz couldn't get a big check to fight Floyd in Ryzen. That may still be on the table, but they're like, oh, I'll just fight Floyd. I guess a Floyd versus a Diaz, no matter what would be bigger than, than Floyd versus Aaron Chalmers. But I'm just pointing out the idea that Floyd is automatic money. In terms of, well, I yeah. guess depending on the game, it's a weird thing with Floyd right now.
1: Floyd's Floyd found his own ceiling this weekend when he had 95% of tickets unsold at, at uh, what, O2 Arena was it? Or O2 Wembley arena. arena, one of the two. Yeah. and up, up until the final days, and then they essentially closed off most of the arena and darkened the entire crowd. I mean, there was handfuls of people there, but I think Nate Diaz's boxing big payday is still tied into Jake Paul, so that's why I led with that. Here's what I mean by this. If they do a Jake Paul, Tommy Fury rematch, the biggest success for the promotion, for the business side of this, was that this fight was competitive, it was relatively entertaining, and that there's some level of debate coming out of it and a want for a rematch. because Maybe because it was on Sunday afternoon, I can't echo that again, you had a lot of people that don't normally watch boxing that have a lot of influence on Twitter that were suddenly into this and scoring it and tweeting out their opinion and, you know, clowning... uh, (laughs) Clowning Radio Rahim. I mean, there's a lot of talk about this fight. Let's say you do a second one. Let's say you get that English aggressive soccer fan feel going. And let's say Jake wins, right? Let's give him that credit. Let's say he wins. He was pretty close in this the first time around. Uh, I think it's still viable for Nate. I think that closes the gap. What we saw Anderson Silva, what we saw Jake do against Anderson, it was a good win for him. But I think it scared us into the idea that if Jake wants to stay in this model of fighting big-money fights against ex-MMA stars, unless he's fighting guys his size, man, he may be able to dominate. This Tommy Fury fight closed that argument, but imagine if they have another close fight in a rematch and Jake wins it. Could you do Jake uh, versus Nate for for good money and interest? I think you could, Luke. I still think you could.
0: I think that's probably about right. I'm Still, though, if you're, I think... You know, and talking to people close to Diaz in that camp, I get the sense that he kind of felt like the Paul fight might happen this year. Still might, but now I'm putting that off till end of the year. Because here's the thing, right? If they do the rematch, let's say what is it now? March almost. If they do the rematch sometime around early summer or let's say summer, and Paul wins, right? They might just do the trilogy at that point again. Especially, dude, if if they do a rematch. And it's big and successful, and Jake wins. And let's say for whatever reason it was like this one where it's controversy, and you can you know use that for a third fight. They're just going to make a third fight. Diaz could be on the outside looking in for the whole year, not getting the opponent that he wants or I think expected, and that changes things a little bit for him.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we also have to question because when you have the invincibility that an un- unbeaten fighter has, which Jake had heading into this fight. It does start to change your level of belief of what is possible. Like that's why I think Jake was inviting the idea of a ranking and a potentially, of inevitably, a real title shot down the line. This I thought his reaction to the defeat was certainly strong. You know, he was largely humble, and, and now he's talking about wanting to do it again. But the one thing Luke that that he has lacked up to this point from an entertainment standpoint. There's been a couple of close fights in his journey, and certainly especially the build-up to the first Woodley one. He's done a great job talking people into this. He hasn't had that, like, back-and-forth slugfest yet. Could you imagine if this rematch is one of those where both fighters go down and it's this dramatic, fun fight and he wins it? I think that's the greatest thing that could be a shot in the arm to his future and then bring in the idea of a Nate fight being super viable again. But that was the bit—if there's anything to criticize about this fight that we just saw yesterday— was that it wasn't fought at a high level. And even though it was competitive and borderline dramatic with the late knockdown, it was a, it was a jousting jab fest, as you would say. Right. And and so like, they uh, you just know, don't
0: have that many tools. They don't right. have that many tools.
1: So, you know, I want, I'm going to, I wonder moving forward because so, you can't, you can't, you can't discount what it does to your invincibility when you lose. Will this Will this force Jake to change his business structure moving forward and model? and will it speed up his move to MMA to try it, Luke? because if he gets into one of those wars and wins it, it may be the thing that that gives him his highest reach of commercial you know uh, gain. But if he goes through that and wins or loses, but get you know takes a beating in the process, it may also force him to leave the sport. Why? Because at some point Luke, when you're masquerading as a boxer to try to become a real one, the realities of boxing show up to Jake's credit outside of getting knocked into the ropes by Woodley in the first fight. He hasn't been, you know, viciously cut or been viciously hurt where you start to question, man, why am I doing this? I do wonder if that ends up happening, Luke, will that lead him, you know, deeper into wanting this sport or make him go, Hey, I got more ways to make money. I don't necessarily need this.
0: Fair enough. All right, BC let's end with with the uh, card where we called the prelims together in the swamps of Jersey city. Over the weekend for the this was Josh Taylor's old title. The uh, vacant one hundred and forty-pound IBF uh world title was contested between Subriel uh Matias and Jeremias Ponce. And BC, I felt like I'll, I'll I'll toot our own horn here a little bit. I felt like we nailed the preview on this one, right? What did we say? Vicious body punching, high volume from both, but vicious body punching from Ponce. But Matias, that left hook is just dynamite. And what set up the finish in the fifth round by Matias, who, by the way, just looked, I mean, he absorbed an insane burst of offense for the the first three rounds and then turned the table. But it was that left hook that set Ponce down. BC, how does Matias stack up with the rest of the 140-pound Titans?
1: He's a very, very interesting wild card because I thought you and I did a good job really setting the the backstory stage. Matias could not have had to go through more to get to this point on the personal and professional journey. The jail time, he was stabbed, the drug conviction, all that coming out. Then he's in a fight that he wins against Maxim Dadishev, but there's a death in the ring and all that deals with it. Yet he got all the way to this point, avenging his only loss by knockout, by the way, last fight. And now he gets into a vacant title fight and wins it his way. What is his way? Putting on an incredible amount of pressure and power punching, but not in a recklessly destructive way. And what that does is he forces you to fight his fight at close distance. So suddenly, Luke, he's not only a good story, winning the title, turning his life around and all that, but you match him up against any Big name at 140 pounds. And why is there reason to believe that this division is so fun? Because all those fun big names at lightweight are eventually going to move up on their way to welterweight, and some already have. You're going to see a lot of big names flash through this division in the next year or two. And Matias is in a fight against everyone because he hits hard, he's aggressive, and like I mentioned, he gets in your face with... Co- hard combination punching, body punching. And in this case, he had a willing dance partner in Jeremias Ponce. Only Ponce couldn't get through the fifth round. He was dropped hard in the fifth. His corner stopped it between rounds. He said afterwards, I'm I'm happy at the end of the day to, to, to have a fight maybe stop too early than, than too late. He knows the damage that was put on him. But every pro fighter that was watching this fight ultimately echoed the same tweet. Could you imagine Matias against any other big 140 name he is a potential problem because he is willing to risk it all but luke i think he does it just enough where it's not too reckless it's smart and unless you have the skill and quickness to avoid that that barrage coming at you and try to expose him you're inevitably going to have to stand and fight with him and that's his goal and that's his plan this is this is a good boon for those who follow PBC Boxing and Showtime closely and know the the big names in and around this division, there's going to be some fun title fights made in the near future. And and I don't know if Subriel can hold on to the title for a long time, but like Michael Chandler, Luke, it's going to be a good time and it's going to be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be champion for a long time, but however long he's champion or in big fights, so they're going to be fun. Folks, I really, really, if you don't have Showtime, I don't know what you're doing, but if you've got it, I, I have YouTube TV and I have the Showtime um uh, a subscription through my YouTube TV so I went back and I watched the fight again uh this morning and I was like dude Matias is so fun and also I got to give credit to Ponce Ponce from the fr- that's one of the best first rounds for an American debut you'll ever see from a boxer would you agree with that BC yeah. first time in the United States first round you're fighting for a world title and he absolutely hammered the guts of Matias Matias clearly lost that round and just had to not hang on but
1: weather a bit of a storm there right well you know you love that attitude. when we hype up oh guys this is going to be a great fight two guys that want it with exciting styles look at their power punch numbers you hope you hope it's going to be that type of fight how about the mindset of Ponce to say american debut not too many people know me big opportunity let me come out and just let it go and, and pull this guy into the deep waters luke it ended up sinking him, as we found out. But like you mentioned, could not ask for better intention for somebody who's looking to make their name known, and he did his best to go out there and do that. I don't think he he suffers huge from his first defeat here. This is a close-up on American television. He's w- willing and able to go in there and make fun fights. I think he's going to be in a few of them moving forward.
0: Yeah, and I said this on the prelim broadcast about Matias. He's from Puerto Rico, which, by the way, like Puerto Rico just pumping out talent in boxing like it's going out of style. They always have been. Probably always will be. But he is currently living in Mexico and has he's training there anyway. And he's been there for nine months and he's been away from his three daughters. And I was just like, dude, this guy has had a lot of moments in his life where he's been, candidly, a bit of a fuck-up. And he looks to have fixed them. And now he's really buckling down. But if you're going to be away from your family for that long the only acceptable outcome is victory that is it that is the only acceptable outcome and he had to weather a bit of an early storm from ponce who wanted to make a show but matias folks i really 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 want to encourage you to watch this fight for a very particular reason the inside fighting was fun but matias has this ability and we talked about it in the pre-fight show it doesn't matter if he's fully at jab distance or if the opponent is here he not only throws tons of punches in combination which is great but he has the ability to hit short angles like this, like this, like with the guys right up in front of him to do it quickly, accurately, and very powerfully. So it so the opponent thinks they're in these safe kind of like really close up distances where you can get a short shot through, but there's not a whole lot with it. But with Matias, there's a ton behind it, and it rattles guys, and he uses the real subtle movements and switching in timing and switching in shoulders and switching in pace and switching in rhythm to then land. Ultimately, the big left hook is his big weapon. He landed it over and over again when he wanted to. He is so fun to watch. Phone booth fighting is fun no matter what, but a phone booth fight with two skilled operators, one of which can do it in these very tight, short angles, is a thing to behold. You just don't see stuff like that. For example, if you're an MMA fan watching this, MMA just doesn't offer you opportunities to get, I mean, yeah, you get short shots all the time, but not in this particular kind of way, right? Where you're having to generate hardcore power with just a little bit of movement, a little bit of separation, and to do that through combination with speed and accuracy. Very, very rare to see something like that. Matias has it in spades. Now, he doesn't have a whole lot of the rest of the game all that great, in my judgment, but that particular part of it, wow, man, it's a sight to behold.
1: Real quick on this division at 140 at the moment. Subriel Matias, now your WBC champion. Regis Progray, a promotional network free agent, or maybe at least network free agent. Uh, your W... Or no, maybe he's the... He's got another belt, Luke. I forgot which letter combination this. Josh Taylor still has a world title, and he's trying to get Teofima Lopez. It's on the other side of the street. But under the extended Showtime PBC banner, there's that rumored fight, Luke, for I think it's April 8th, when Alberto Pueyo, who's, who recently captured one of the titles that josh taylor was forced to give up taking on roley romero so you can start to do the math we got progrey out here we got Pollo versus romero now we got subriel matias we have no shortage of big names you know considering tank tank uh davis and ryan garcia are fighting in a catch weight and both are going to be probably moving up to 140 soon so it's going to get fun at 140 here in the near future
0: all right that's it for our top five bc and now it is time for the donks to ask us questions we put out posts on social media Every Sunday, you guys fill it up, and then the producers pick questions from it. It's time for DMs from the old
1: diggies Yeah, he hawed. Right, okay? He, he hawed that it.
0: shit. All right, BC. First up from at Strong Illy. Uh well, I should say strong underscore Illy underscore six three one. Worst name ever. Uh, can you guys talk about John Lineker? Yes, from one, and his stupidity, he says. I had him winning that fight and he decided to do what he did. BC, his corner threw it out, not threw it, I'm sorry. They they called it after the fourth, uh, and he didn't actually end up going back out for the last round. I actually feel like that was very much the right call. His manager, uh, Alexis Davis, took to Twitter the next day and said both of his eyes were completely shut. He couldn't see. His power had diminished. Even if he was up on the scorecards, he was in a bad, bad way. I actually commend his corner. I agree. For calling it there.
1: Yep. uh, What do we learn from uh, the Quicksilver method in Karate Kid Part 3? Luke, a man can't see, he can't fight, but even more serious when you've got that level of damage between two sluggers and a rematch with a lot of intensity Her going after it, it is good to see in that regard. Surprising, obviously, when you're talking about somebody like Lineker who we just look at as a blood-and-guts warrior looking to come in there and knock you out and do nothing else, but uh, I like to see the human spirit come through when it's necessary to prevent the inevitable extreme damage that this sport that these sports offer luke and that's a that's a nice little breakthrough there
0: yeah also fabrizio andrage is accurate powerful quick you know and he was drilling lineker at the end of that round four i i just feel like i understand what folks are saying wow you're this close to you know potentially victory w- at what cost you know yeah. at what cost um his did you watch debate. the whole
1: card luke I, I i piecemealed it i didn't get to watch i did not the watch
0: fight. the whole card i watched that one and i watched the taiwan chai fight but that was it
1: okay all
0: right uh okay at paradox underscore in underscore corpus maybe corpus christi i'll leave your corpse crispy down in corpus christi as old uh self-titled one said did you see dana's quote who gives a shit comment regarding connor causing some <laughs> fighter <laughs> replacements for the ultimate fighter thoughts yes dana famously very very empathetic to people suffering i've noticed uh well your thoughts
1: so the argument is the extension of what we when we ran that gilbert burns tweet where there were fighters that were supposedly invited to tough showed up and then found out that they weren't going to be contestants because connor had his own people dana's response was do you know how hard it is to get these superstars to you know agree to be on tough we've got to give them some leeway so it comes across very aggressive, Luke, in the same weekend, and we'll get into that shortly. And have you seen this shit about Dana's new challenge to the media? But um, yeah, I mean it's it's I get it. I get both sides. I actually I'm not I'm not dropping bombs on Dana. I do get both sides in this instance. It would be nice if you could sort all that shit out before people fly somewhere thinking they're gonna get the breakthrough opportunity of their career. Yeah, that's pretty shitty. But uh Luca, can I use this opportunity to bring up the other part of Dana that I wanted to mention?
0: Uh, I thought you were going to do that and have you seen the show.
1: Oh, no, that's the other other part. There's this other other part of Dana. Did you see that very quietly? Dana and Power Slap announced that their their end of the season card will not be a pay-per-view like originally uh, thought. Instead, will be airing free to air on uh, what's that? uh, What's that right angle YouTube equivalent? Oh, rumble, rumble, (laughs) Rumble, young man, rumble, the power slap pay-per-view that will close this year that by the way, forces the Peter Yan versus Sanhagen fight to the Virgin hotel rather than the apex. The same night is going to be live on rumble, baby. Your thoughts, Luke.
0: Hey, if you're interested in, um, you know, Bohemian Grove and, uh, other conspiracy theories and want to catch a little slapping along the way, Rumble's the place for you.
1: Luke, we have a visitor. We have a visitor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody's home, so I'm doing the show with the door open, Luke. Reggie Jackson's back, dude. Check him hey, out. Hey, Reggie. Hey, Reggie Hey, Reggie. He gets Reggie's very nervous. Not
0: happy. Reggie's not happy right now. Yeah, he wants Reggie's... just
1: me, Luke. He doesn't want you here or the cameras. He just wants to, like, probably bite me and stuff. But he's, a you know, for weird cats, Luke, he's probably the coolest weird cat of all time.
0: I got to tell you, love, you don't put collars on your animals, and that's a little bit disconcerting.
1: I only have colors in the dogs, not the cats. You know that's his natural skin inflection there in, in fur and color. You know, look at this guy; he's the best, right? Yeah, I Love hope this Reggie guy.
0: smacks your stupid ass face.
1: He's more of a biter, Luke, than anything. Hey, but... let's see your cat's butthole. Show it to the audience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got enough. We show enough buttholes on this show, Luke. Okay, we don't need to go any. Dude, we got to
0: put Reggie Jackson on OnlyFans and just show pictures of
1: <laughs> hundred bucks a sub. Do you think he would make more than an average UFC fighter if that was the deal, Luke? Probably. He, he might, dude. He'd be competitive. Yeah. Old Reggie's the best. He's, he. Do you mind if, he's, if he joins us for the rest of the show, Luke? This not at all. I like Reggie. Okay, okay. good. Reggie's, Reggie's, the, Reggie's the man.
0: Uh, okay, BC, so we go now to at Cole underscore Brown 858. What did you think of MB, MVP making his commentary debut on the Bellator prelims? I actually did not hear. Did dude, you?
1: I didn't hear that at all. I was watching those briefly with the sound down. I didn't hear that at all.
0: No, I missed that. We did. Now, in fairness, we did a sit down with MVP when we were in London, and we greatly enjoyed it. We found him to be very smart and thoughtful and have a, a very interesting things to say. I he did likes not us. hear his commentary.
1: Did you know I just found out from our great producer, Mikey Mormile, that our Michael Venom Page Room Service Diaries episode comes out tomorrow, Luke? Are you kidding
0: yes, me? Yes, I'm reading that now for the first time as well. That is very good because I think his fight is coming up on what, the 10th?
1: Yeah, I mean, what a what a stretch for youtube.com slash morning combat for bonus content, Luke. We got a val- Valentina Shevchenko interview that's out right now with your boy BC setting the stage for this Saturday's title defense and coming hard in the direction of Aaron Blanchfield, so check that out. Luke, you've got some interesting grappling interviews out there, right?
0: Yeah, I, gotta, I still haven't put it out yet, but we have the interview with Mo Jassim from ADCC, and I asked him straight up about why you guys don't drug test at all, and... uh it's an interesting answer it's an interesting answer uh you guys are gonna be in for one
1: yeah we got great content nobody makes great content like us i mean look at this feline content whatever you need all right
0: all right uh at vin minniti asks hey what the fuck happened to crone gracie assuming he's done any other prospects that you can think of who fell off due to inactivity not injury or not losing well he did lose to cub swanson he fought his um, balls
1: off that fight. He tried to tried to have a stand up game, and I I was impressed by his yeah. intention. I've been meaning
0: to ask some folks I know in Diaz's camp about it. I just keep forgetting to do it. But uh, I don't know what happened. I guess he's not interested
1: in competing. Um, right. What do you think? Who do you think would win an MMA match right now? Dylan Danis versus Crone Gracie.
0: Crone. Like, why All would Crone right. lose that match? Crone's better at jiu-jitsu by a million miles than Dylan. All Ooh, right, Crone. Crone is a legit world champion I think in and outside of the ghee. Uh, all right let's even no, the
1: matchup a little bit. Gracie with Crohn's disease versus Dylan Dennis.
0: <laughs> now Crone is much smaller, I think Crone's okay. uh, about 145. I think Dylan's closer to 170-ish. I don't know who the hell knows what he is these days but uh, so there is that but in terms of like skill for skill, Crone is way better. Uh, all right lastly but not leastly at Kyle Hank Levy sounds like a serial killer BC. <laughs> Which 80s NBA player would have been the best combat sports athlete? 80s NBA player.
1: All right. Do you remember that stretch in the mid-80s when the Washington Bullets became a legitimate Eastern Conference power and they had... had,
0: 1978 World Champions, fuckface. Yeah, damn
1: right. Baltimore Bullets. They had a uh, legitimate center in Jeff Ruland, but they had Rick Mahorn at power forward, Luke. And Mahorn was a dirty dude, and I... You know, I mean, I I loved when he joined the Sixers as a free agent in nineteen ninety. Reggie
0: Jackson's a beast,
1: and uh, and uh, him and Barkley had that no layup rule where they basically, if you drove the lane, they'd put you in the front row, and then David Stern had to jump in because the Sixers were about to play Jordan in the playoffs, and they had to cancel that. Give me Rick Mahorn at heavyweight, Luke, six foot ten, jacked, angry and mean. Right? Come on,
0: Rick Mahorn's a good one. How was yeah. the answer? Well, I guess is Lambeer more
1: nineties. Lambeer's prime 80s. He made the all-star team of the league in rebounding one year. Yeah, prime 80s. So, I
0: mean, Lambeer is probably a good fit, right? I mean.
1: Yeah, but he for as much as he was willing to be dirty and get into fights, he also took a lot of punches, too. I mean, remember when Robert Parrish in the 87 Conference Finals gave him that three-piece and didn't even get thrown out of the game? Dude, look
0: at Reggie. Dude, Reggie's. I think Reggie loves you, bro.
1: He No, no. I, I'm his person. He chose me to be his person, Luke. He doesn't like anybody else in this house but me, all right?
0: Yo, Reggie is not fighting to get out. He's rubbing chins with you. Yeah, like- but you know what
1: he's actually doing? He wants to get... So I have these, these soundproof ceiling foam things all over. His goal is to pull them down, so he climbs up on top of my record thing and hangs from the ceiling, Luke, by one nail and tries to yank the things down. He's relentless about it. See, the thing about Reggie Jackson, he's real cute and stuff, Luke, but he don't give a fuck it's yeah, his way or no way he does not care terrorist.
0: he's a domestic he's a
1: domestic terrorist. terror he's kind of like how you you know you call me uh osama bin campbell on this show because i'll i'll always turn against you and take the fan side luke yeah. he's like that on the regular in our house he don't care he don't care <laughs> if another animal is sleeping he'll run right over and bite them in the face and wake them up to take their their bed luke he doesn't care he's not yeah. afraid of dogs Luger, old
0: moco rest in peace old moco and el cielo uh he did two things when we had him. One, I couldn't give my wife flowers because he would eat them. He would oh, yeah. eat the flowers. Oh, yeah. And then two, I couldn't leave mail out on the kitchen table. He would shred it. He would oh, shred Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Moko don't play, dude.
0: No, he didn't. Moko was the man. All right. That is it for all of that. It is time
1: for BC species. All right. Red, you ready for this? Let's do this. Luke, I scoured the globe yesterday for the uh, highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between, from the worlds of combat sports and usually beyond. This is Have You Seen This Shit? Let's do it, Reg. All right, you ready? (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, Luke, UFC Vegas was Tatiana Suarez's comeback night. Listen to this agro-emotional victory yell after getting the submission in the second round against De La Rosa. (laughs)
0: tatiana suarez back in a big way second round submission still undefeated and look out
1: for tatiana suarez oh yeah look out is right i mean she took a gamble took a big chance going for that guillotine giving up top position but it paid look say what you will and you did earlier She's big, strong, and, and intense in any weight class. And that was a lot of four-year frustration she just screamed For out sure. there. And, Listen, and I was I'm
0: excited to see, to see more. I just want to see more. That's all.
1: All right, quickly, I mentioned earlier how impressed I was at her determination. Here's uh, her post-fight interview talking about the hard work it took to get here. Yeah, I think they should give me a really good opponent, you know, um, a good opponent at um, show and then, you know, I'll earn it. You know, I don't – I've never – been given anything in my life i've always earned it and i don't mind doing that because i think you know that builds character you know you got to work for the things that you get in your life and um i don't mind doing that because that's how my mom raised me and my grandma raised me look you know that saying hard work beats talent you know they i guess they say when talent doesn't work hard but that's right there's times when hard work, even when talent is working hard, that hard work and determination just straight up laps talent. And, uh, dude, she's talented, but she's a you can tell from that response. Bring on the hell. She's going to walk through it. Bring it I on.
0: love her attitude. Again, I love her attitude. I, I have loved her game. Um, I'm curious about the road ahead.
1: All right. Hey, Jordan Levitt, not not Joseph Gordon Levitt, Luke, had a big night as well at USC fight night. Here's the TKO one he scored against Victor Martinez, and it was nasty.
0: Yeah, this was good from uh from Levitt. The world's and most dangerous Mormon.
1: Yeah, he added a little levity too in his celebration there. I mean, this looked like uh Anderson Silva versus Fritz Franklin one and two, the finish. I mean there. it didn't look great. like that. All right. Well, here's his celebration upon getting his hand raised. Luke, your thoughts on this. Does he does he twerk? Uh, the split. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a that's a that's a real one, Luke. That's not a fake one. That's like down to the to the grundle. He put Grundle on the mat there.
0: He put Grundle on the mat there, yes, BC.
1: If I physically forced you to do that, would you ever walk again? Uh, not without crutches. Okay, there you go. And finally, Luke, Jordan Levitt added one more touch to this shit. Here is his Dirty Dancing-inspired celebration. He, in fact, had the time of his life. and you know he's what? Never, he's never felt that way before.
0: Look, my man doing the lifting, you notice where his hand position is, right? Hands yeah. not overhead where you can fall back. He puts his hands out in front, you see? Yeah, right on
1: the boobs. Yeah, he went right for that. That's second well, base. Well, I'm just
0: saying, look, look, at, well, look at the angle between his arm and his head. It's not directly overhead. It's kind of in front, so that way he can keep the weight in front of him.
1: Yep. Uh, More from the Apex on Saturday, Luke. We know that Ryan Spann did not get Nikita Krylov in the main event as promised. He was much more emotional than I expected afterwards. Let's see Spann's reaction. uh,
0: The plan was to go back to work Monday either way. Uh, So I guess that's what we're going to have to do so that it isn't wasted. The disappointment comes from me not getting to show off some of the shit that we've been doing. My team... Um, they invested a lot of time in me and uh, look, do they, we not focus enough about the price that,
1: that comes when these things happen
0: yeah I mean not sure like you know with the thing about the I mean here's the thing about the Dana thing where he was like oh, who gives a shit uh, it's a really mean way to say it, but I sort of understand a little bit of his point being like, dude Connor's powerful yet when you negotiate with powerful people they they take things in the contract. It's just kind of how it goes. you're not going to get everything you want. they're not gonna get everything they want but they're gonna get stuff. they're gonna get stuff and he got stuff and like I I, I sort of get that I really do but he said he was gonna take care of them. some of them are gonna appear on some upcoming fights like he's not gonna just gonna leave them twisting in the wind. I hope he didn't leave Ryan Span who did nothing wrong weighed yeah. in made weight was ready to go i hope there's some kind of you know uh, compensation for him financially or just something to keep him moving because dude these guys they you know they, they don't necessarily make a lot in a lot of cases and <laughs> they just it's it's so time consuming to get good at mma when he talks about these guys investing time in them i understand that man like you want to deliver for people who have given you things um you don't want to just you know date. if he got it
1: if he got his show money he probably got at least that right
0: um, well, so here's how the here's how the contracts work, unless they've changed. There's no such thing as show and win in your contract. Show and win is words that we use, but it doesn't appear anywhere in there. What happens is the the deal, and that we 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 dealt with this with Tony Ferguson when when Habib fell out. He was like, oh, well, I, I made weight, I showed, I should get my money. But these are just words we use that have no relationship to the contractual realities in the contract. If you win, you get your. Uh, if you if you complete the bout, you get your um your 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 purse and the way it's described in the contract is if you win you get a bonus usually the same amount so 20 and 20 10 and 10 whatever it may end up being um so you have to complete the bout to get any of your money unless the ufc is simply being generous we hope in this case they're being generous
1: yeah like tai chi palace i hope he gets promised something luke for 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 doing this but unlike Tachi, I hope that Dana comes through. Hey, let's go to lightweight Trevor Peak. He won his UFC debut with a KO1 of Eric Gonzalez at the buzzer. Your thoughts? Yeah, that was sick.
0: That's his UFC debut, too. He was letting him have it. My man needs a tan, though.
1: That's okay. He's got that uh, Miguel Cotto, Ivan Redcoch arm tat going on. I like that. Yeah, That's pretty tribal, nasty. It's a tribal oh. tattoo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well done there, Trevor Peake. Luke, the curtain jerker on Saturday's card involved lightweight Narillo Aviev from Tajikistan making his UFC debut. He got the win. Let's check out this interview, which has a live shot of an outdoor stadium at 3 a.m. in his home country. Look at this reception. Country, 2, uh, 2 p.m. Nah. It's 3 a.m. there right now. 3, 3 a.m. Uh, night, 10 million человек in stadium. Nurulo first fight UFC hey uh, yesterday my father called me Nurulo uh, you fight winner uh, come come look at look at look at this uh, my, my father yesterday uh, c- called me Nurulo fight winner come your wedding day <laughs> your wedding day oh no way congratulations Dena, 50 k brother hey come. Welcome then I showed my country 25 hour and fly <laughs> well you are just as good on the microphone as you were in the cage congratulations the first ever fighter to represent Tajikistan Naruto I leave ladies and gentlemen look i'm yeah, never he's
0: good too he can fight
1: <laughs> i'm never going to tire of when someone wins a championship and they fly back to their home country and the airport welcomes them or stuff like this dude that he wants 50K. There may have been 50K in that stadium watching him in the middle of the night. That's awesome.
0: BC, was there a single woman in that audience? Didn't
1: look like it. Oh, how dare you? How oh, dare I mean, how dare you, right? Oh, Probably, I, no. Am I not allowed to point out that there's not <laughs> any women not. anywhere around? Like, I mean, could you imagine if we had a big moment, like us hosting that MK in the UK live show? Imagine if there was also a stadium in Jersey City of people filled just wanting to have a watch party, you
0: know? No, it's pretty cool pretty cool. For our moment also there. not much to do in Tajikistan but still pretty cool. All
1: right. Hey uh, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury from Saudi Arabia time. Let's go to Badu Jack in this co-main event. Dude, 39 he was so years good. old. Dude, I did not mean to dismiss his chances here against 35-year-old Alunga Makabu in their WBC Cruiserweight title bout, but Luke, I've watched Badu Jack's last four or five fights. He's won them all. They were against let's say, let's be honest, journeyman level competition and at times he struggled, but dude, he went back to to training like a like a champion again and the difference here against Makabu who did snap a year plus layoff shocked scored a knockdown and then that final round man got the stoppage I you, to-
0: BC here's what really gets me I want folks to pay attention to something look at the angles that uh, Badu Jack has look at the lead foot angle that Badu Jack has he is so far to the outside look at him move step around right hand boom it is amazing the angles he was able to... This is what they mean when they say hit him from angles. It means that. Taking an angle yeah. like that. Makabu had no answer for it all night long.
1: I saw an interview with Amira <coughs> Abdullah who has been in... Uh... Badu Jack's corner from the beginning, seemingly one of his manager supporters. And he was saying that they had uh, open scoring for this fight through the WBC. So they had access to it after the eighth round. I think they saw it again in the 10th. And what they basically said was the fight was a lot closer than we thought it should have been. So they implored Jack to come on. And look, I- I'm going to be I thought he would have gassed in this situation if the fight was this competitive. It was Makabu
0: who kind of gassed.
1: It was, who, guessed. It was who, who, with that long layoff, just wasn't what we're used to. But on top of that, like you mentioned, Jack stuck to the fundamentals of boxing. He had better footwork, quicker hands as the smaller fighter moving up. And, dude, three-division champion now, and let's put some respect on his name. When Badu first got knocked out on Showtime by Derek Edwards, I think it was a showbox fight back in the day, we were like, yeah, see, another Floyd Mayweather-promoted fighter who's not going anywhere. There's a lot of, like, hate online for that. What Badu did was he got up off the canvas Worked his way back into title contention. Won a title in two divisions. Was a part of so many fight of the year contenders. Remember the one with James DeGale? Got the wrong end of a few very high-profile draws, but never stopped cooking, Luke. And look at this. 39 years old, three-division champion. And this was a very legit win. So, shout-out to Badu Jack. Shout-out to the sports-washing on that broadcast. Boy, they, there was a they lot of to it. to let you know that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is <clears throat> the place to be, did they not? They said the ty- the words "the kingdom of Saudi Arabia" probably ten thousand times. Um, there wasn't I mean, the hey, WWE. If you
0: get caught, you know, making beer in your house because alcohol is strictly prohibited, they'll lash you and potentially throw you in jail, It'll potentially even deport you. But sure, kingdom of Saudi Arabia, a great place to
1: be. Well, it wasn't like the WWE events there where they run these like <clears throat> propaganda videos about the the country's uh, social turnaround. But here's footage, Luke, of the ending where Jack finished off Makabu in round twelve and. You know what? How about this? The first Muslim fighter to win a championship in Saudi Arabia and in the the Islamic world is how they framed it, Luke. So happy for for Badu, who walked out with Mike Tyson. You know, it was a big event there. I mean, there was a lot of sports washing going on, but a big night for those involved. Let's keep it going there. Here's a weird ending to the Jake Paul, Tommy Fury face-to-face. Not sure if you saw this shit, Luke.
0: Handshake, fist bump. Are we ready for war? Two gentlemen.
1: There it is. I'll see you on Sunday night. I'll see, you. I'll see you at the weigh-in first, though. I'll see you Sunday night. And at the weigh-in, though, yeah. I just, yeah. Whatever you want, Yeah.
0: Baby. The Truth, February 26th, in
1: Daria. Local time in Saudi, in Riyadh, 10 p.m. Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. We will find out who is a contender, who is a boxer,
0: who is the truth. Somebody kiss.
1: It's turned into like a Barstool Sunday conversation.
0: <laughs> how
1: much time you got?
0: This well, is how know. me and BC plan I most will shows. Sit here until my dick falls out. I swear to God, I will sit here <laughs> until <laughs> Sunday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, but I don't sleep as Everybody, for forementioned. You, you're going to have Jake, to sleep. You do know that's
1: not good. You know.
0: Know. You that's not good. That's not good if you know. don't sleep. Nobody that's races, not good you if you don't sleep. I never sleep.
1: Yeah, I've had about enough of this shit. Uh, Luke, did, <coughs> we'll show we'll show a uh, Dude, still I'm picture. Dude, literally,
0: I'm literally getting emails from Rumble now about the Power Slap live finale. Oh, you better. You
1: better believe it. Luke, what did you make? I'm not going to play it here as we show uh, footage of Jake entering the arena in a ski mask, trying to echo what Floyd Mayweather wore on his way into the Conor McGregor fight. But what did you make of that locker room interview before the main event where Jake just kept nervously saying,
0: ha ha? Uh, I'm not sure I watched that one either.
1: Oh, boy, you would have had a lot to say about that. Can we show quickly the uh, ski mask entrance? And there you go, Luke. Is that cool?
0: The balaclava? Yeah. That's what that's right. called, by the way.
1: Okay, I'm sorry, Luke. Uh, the baklava, the Greek dessert. Very yeah, well done there, Jake. It's not
0: baklava, it's balaclava. And uh, Luke,
1: here, people were wondering if we would play it. Here's your interview of the weekend in combat sports. It was during the Jake Paul-Tommy Fury fight, and it's Radio Rahim interviewing brother Logan Paul ringside. Jake, I love you. I'm not going to give you a big speech. I know you got this, but either come back victorious or come back on your shield. I love you, bro. I love you too, man. How do you feel like he's doing so far in the fight?
0: (laughs) I saw someone on Twitter. I saw someone on Twitter that's being like, it's like when the waiter tells you have a great meal, and then you tell them back, you too. It's like, right? No, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry,
1: sorry, Radio Rahim. He was talking to his brother, and then when it cut off quickly. But what did you make? I thought this was actually pretty cool. That they, they they ran that interview on the house audio, so everybody in the stadium could hear it. And did you hear yeah. him go? Hey, oh, I heard this part. <laughs> hey, Tommy Fury, you suck, and you're gonna gas out. I mean, that was actually pretty funny. Look,
0: yeah, and then funny. he said, "Every Fury is a bitch," and I was like, yeah. "Well." Yeah, John may gouge out your eye, but other than that,
1: I mean, Luke Radio Rahim has been around for a while. It wasn't his best night when he told uh, when he told Jake, "You're a fucking warrior," you know.
0: Uh, yeah, listen, I think uh, listen, I'll, I'll just say this: broadcasting is hard, and <clears throat> uh, I've certainly had my own issues. I like he, he who's without sin cast the first stone. True, look to me like old Radio Rahim, a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous.
1: I don't know about that. I uh, just no. know that that this is Brian Campbell talking about Radio Raheem. Back to our shit countdown, Luke. Let's go to Showtime Boxing in Minneapolis. No shit here, but uh, Luke, check out Superior Matias' walk to the ring. You know you have status if you walk out with, like, a, a current rapper. Matias is like, nah, let me get Abuelo, and let's listen to this, Luke. Yo. Panto de
0: un bonito.
1: I love it. It's just like sticking Dude, your middle finger legit. in the face. That's legit of, as of what hell we're used right to. There. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is, that guy, that guy brings it, no question. I mean, we've seen mariachi bands, we've seen the rap thing. I don't know if I've seen this. This was great. Yeah, that, <coughs> was, that was amazing. Luke, we mentioned Matias had the big breakthrough, the knockdown of Jeremias Ponce in round five that led to the victory between rounds. Here's a look at the combination that led to this knockdown. Look at this.
0: Dude, look at the angle on these punches and how much he's able to get on them and and the flurry and the amount of them. He is so devastating on the inside. And Ponce, credit, he he stands, he answers the bell. Look at this, switching angles on him like this. Look at the flurry, the hand speed. Oh, my (coughs) Lord, he is. And it's all accurate.
1: It's all accurate, man. It's a typhoon of power shots. Let's go to the opening fight of the night. How about Elvis Rodriguez taking on Joseph Adorno? Rodriguez would go on to win a decision, but look at this knockdown. I don't know how Adorno survived this punch.
0: Oh, he he ate this one clean, yeah.
1: <clears throat> and he got up and was throwing. And Luke, I, I'm never gonna, uh, you know, I'm never gonna discount Adorno's toughness. And he always brings it, but came up empty in the end in this one. But a good win for Elvis Rodriguez, the Freddie Roach coached product. There
0: yeah. you go. Adorno's tough, but he ate that punch.
1: Well, Luke, you and I called the prelims, and let's go to the audio here. Here's Willie Jones, a 31-year-old journeyman, trained by Ronnie Shields, though, taking on, I think it was 18-year-old prospect, Derek Diesel Jackson. Let's see what happened here in round one. Excuse me. Oh, my word! And that's the fight right there. Willie Jones demolishing Derek Jackson in just one round. Just like that, that was a quick
0: one. Wow, Derek Jackson was undefeated. Now he's got a loss on his record. What a shot! There were Willie Jones,
1: dude. That was surprising as shit, man. Jeremy guy. someone on Twitter,
0: someone on Twitter wrote, Only Derek James could take a 31 year old, eight and two record guy and have him completely not just beat, but what basically one punch KO a top prospect folks don't yeah. understand the guy who got ronnie knocked shields. out ronnie right shields. yeah who did i say derrick jackson derrick james derrick james <clears throat> sorry ronnie shields i apologize only ronnie shields could do that to a guy who was uh i think eight and two 31 years old against this undefeated rising prospect that pbc had kind of slotted as like
1: the guy to watch watch out careful yeah watch out be careful what you ask for there let's go to the mma luke here's your celebration of the week
0: Oh, 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 that's why the commission doesn't let you do
1: that. Yeah, when being cool goes dangerously wrong, that's not, that's great. Bop, bop. All right, all right. Hey, Luke, there weren't a lot of people there, but Floyd Mayweather defeated Aaron Chalmers by decision in their exhibition match in an empty 0-2 arena in London. Uh, Chalmers, a former Bellator fighter and reality TV star in the UK, and here's Floyd between rounds just chilling. Your thoughts
0: just just taking money from these donks <laughs>
1: <laughs> would what, you think with impunity what'd you think of the union jack boxers there
0: you got to wear those next time
1: we go to the UK I think I do I think I do uh this wasn't the viral highlight that came out of this Luke look at Floyd's moves mid-round oh man he's yeah. just out here styling it was that kind of night for Floyd. All right, hey, time for some tomato dick. Have you ever seen this at the produce uh, stand, Luke? What to
0: say? Where's, is... wow, that is. I mean,
1: look at the unit on that guy, right?
0: Yeah, wow, he got the butthole right under the dick. That's right
1: under it. Yep. Do you do you check that for firmness? Do you squeeze it? I don't know, really know how to handle that.
0: To be fair, that's that's a lot going on there. I wouldn't
1: All eat right. that tomato. Would you eat that tomato? Nah, well, you know, I might be curious. I might be Kratom (laughs) curious enough. Are you tomato dong curious? (laughs) If I'm on a pirate ship and I'm alone, Luke, does that answer the question? All right. Hey, you ever know those weirdos who put stuffed animals in the back window of their car? You ever see those people, Luke?
0: Yes, losers, you mean?
1: Yeah, some people take that to the next level. Check out this car at the gas station.
0: All right. Can we just set this thing on fire? I mean... (laughs) (laughs)
1: Looks like Anderson Silva's uh, action figure room, right?
0: I tell you what, if you're going to drive a 1988 Dodge Omni, <laughs> you yeah. might as well just make it look as dumb as possible, right? What kind of car is that?
1: I'd, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, it looks like an average mid midsize four-door sedan there. Dude, you know um, what it
0: looks like? You ever seen like the underside of a table at a public high school and how it's yes. covered in gum?
1: Yes. That's what yes. it looks like. Yeah, I had a science teacher in eighth grade who would take a baseball bat in the middle while we're taking tests, slam it down on the top of a desk to, like, scare people, and all the gross gum would fall on the floor, Luke. It was great. I I had a teacher
0: in ninth grade who told us that he believed (coughs) that the devil created monkeys to trick man into believing into evolution. I'm glad I don't live in Georgia anymore. Anyway.
1: That's why we can't do a a live show at Big Chicken because of you, Luke.
0: So that actually was not—that was actually in a place called Valdosta, Georgia, not Marietta. That's much deeper south, but— the point still stands i'm i'm glad to be gone
1: all right there you go hey weird moments in weightlifting this always gets a pop out of you yeah luke.
0: i was waiting for the fat dude i gotta tell you something not nearly enough elder abuse recently you've been slipping
1: you've been slipping all right sorry sorry i slipped i've fallen i can't get up you know i've slipped i've fallen i've gots to get up luke here's some kettlebell juggling you ever see this move
0: they didn't get the yeah so this is yeah okay so this is a real thing with kettlebells really yeah yeah, this is a real thing. So it, it's it's to promote hand eye coordination. <clears throat> By the way, she's good. She's actually really good. Um, that's surprising.
1: For a she's lunch, a big lady? old hefty
0: lady, and that's actually a yeah, surprising yeah. level of skill.
1: Yeah, for a uh for a wait for an aging waitress, yeah. Luke, she's I, I, I want to be
0: clear. This is like a style of of using the kettlebell. Like it's very different from like this competition kettlebell is what they would call it. In fact, that kettlebell is a competition kettlebell. Um, so the competition kettlebells, the reason why you can tell them that the, the, they're different is they usually are colored, but they're, they're all the same size. They just weigh different depending on um, obviously whatever the weight is. A cast iron kettlebell will be bigger each time it gets uh, bigger in weight. This is uh, the, the competition ones are all the same size.
1: Yeah, Luke, uh, my mom just mailed me this T-shirt. Just, is this on brand, Luke? It's a kettlebell that's really a cheeseburger. And it says Uh-oh. all day, every day at the bottom, you know?
0: Let me see it again. I didn't see it because my 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 thing froze. Show me one more time. Cheat meals special. <laughs> Burgers, fries, and games. Yo, that's, that shirt rules, bro.
1: Yeah, all day. She actually bought it because of the all day, every day thing, Luke, because she uh-huh. loves Memke so much. But uh, um, it is on brand for my health, unfortunately. Unfortunately, Luke, let's keep this countdown going uh there's a good one today okay let's see let's go to weightlifting more here here's some deadlifts but i never thought about mixing acupuncture with deadlifting
0: okay all right just get fucked loser i mean (laughs) i mean his deadlift is clean
1: yeah very clean
0: i hope you i i genuinely hope these guys get paralyzed oh
1: wow wow luke okay oh Okay, all right. Hey, it's John Jones Fight Week, Luke. Let's dance, all right? Check out this interview he did with uh uh Brazil's finest. What's her name, Luke?
0: Uh Evie Rodriguez.
1: Evie Rodriguez. I always oh, mispronounce her. Evie Rodriguez, first...
0: Rodriguez, but yeah.
1: Yeah, Evie great big fan. Big fan of her work. She sat down with John Jones ahead of this weekend's UFC two eight four five, one of the two.
0: I right, gotcha. got you. You got music guys?
1: Yeah, I do.
0: All right, let's go. do it. There we go. That's all I got. <laughs>
1: Good job. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Look, outside of us criticizing John's uh, comments about about Francis Ganu, it has seemed this has been a wholesome John Jones return up to this point. Would you agree? He's playing the, he's playing the baby face. He's yeah,
0: for to. now, until he gets arrested for, you know, setting off fireworks at 3 a.m. or whatever he's going to do, and then, you know, we're all back all to right. where we are. But, yeah, yeah.
1: All right, this from this portion one,
0: of the cycle, he's in the good part, yeah.
1: Speaking of cycling, no, just kidding. Uh, from one Luke enemy to another, Luke, it's time for a new segment alert. This one's called This Week in Dana White. How about this, Luke? He sat down with Robbie Fox of Your Mom's Basement yesterday for a surprise interview. And here's the big re- revelation in my uh, mentions and DMs this morning. Let's hear from Dana. We went through COVID, you know, and I had to listen to all the bullshit as we went through COVID. And then after I came out with a... Uh, you know, a little documentary I did about the media going into COVID, which is going to be even bigger. I'm working on even a bigger, a bigger piece about the the media and the guys. Oh, that, my you know. God. Another oh, one? yeah. Wait till you see this bad boy. We've been working on. Are this you going to put the are you going to put their faces on it like they were the mob again? Faces, <laughs> publications, names, what they said, the whole deal. It's going to oh live for us. And I'll do the same thing with Power Slap once this thing, once we get where we're, where we're going. Apparently, they're going to rumble, Luke. Okay, so uh, hopefully he posts his new documentary.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say, it. it's like, dude, here's the crazy part about this. It's like the MMA media is so captured at this point. It's like the most obsequious media in all of sports media or certainly in, in the running for it. I mean, I guess after the weekend, boxing media is up for you know that, too, but uh and yet still complaining about the unfair coverage it's like shocking it's like truly shocking it's like dude no one benefits from more soft coverage than the ufc and he's still bitter about people by the way it's not just mma media i'll I'll be curious to see this thing uh okay do you think he
1: doesn't know let's talk about that four minute hit piece that he put out and it's back up it's back live again and of course unfortunately i'm at the center of it cbs sports is brandon wise my editor is at the center of it uh when he joined my podcast um we all know that was, like, fake news. He took everything, for the most part, out of context. He, they, they, they ran a picture of a column I wrote that had nothing to do with COVID and made it Yeah, and used all... it, right. Um, do you think he even knows that?
0: I don't think... I don't know what he knows or even cares about. He just wants to lash out. I'll just tell you that if it's anything like the last one, I can't wait to fact check it. Because the last one was just basically totally bogus nonsense and uh yeah i mean if you really want to go to the mat and saying everyone's wrong about power slap i you know i uh, plead by all means great
1: well he claims in the in the interview was mostly power slap centered with robbie and we like robbie by the way shout out to robbie fox he doesn't hide from who he is luke okay so at the very least i i respect he's that nice he's nice to me he's definitely nice he's to a me. very nice guy in person but uh the thing dana said was ultimately that uh that they are successful because the power slap is doing billions of hits on social, and he thought it could do millions after seeing it for the first time. So, because it's doing billions on social, well, see, that's
0: the thing. I, I tweeted about this earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's this is the gamble that they're making. It's actually a fairly interesting gamble when you think about it. Not to say that they're right, but that the gamble itself is worth thinking about. He, he they're basically making the argument like, wow, look at this thing that popped up on my phone and how much traffic it does, and how much uh, attention it's able to claim. If it can do this much on my phone, can we take a TV version of it and capture some of that audience for that medium, right? Can we take it from the phone and put it there? And of course, you can recycle all that for the phone as well, but like, can you actually make programming from something uh, an experience like this? And I have a feeling that Slap actually does work to some degree on the phone right. for virality, <coughs> but I don't know that you can build television programming around it where you have to sell advertising against it that to me is a lot uh, can you make that transition i guess we'll see but probably not
1: all right if this comes if they come out with this power slap hit piece video and if you are not mentioned or shown one time during it will you be disappointed
0: no surprised i'd be surprised if i don't if i'm over two i'd be surprised but uh, i don't I wasn't the only like. There were a lot. Okay, let's ask this question. Like, and you know, it's funny because I was very critical of how the USC handles COVID at least early. We're now since past all of that, but uh, well, the T- Tachi Palace thing anyway. And uh, but I definitely was not the heaviest critic for the power slap. Like, there was a lot of people that went way harder in the paint than me. <coughs> right. so, I don't know. I guess we'll see.
1: Okay, uh, Luke. Uh, it's hard for me to to always transition to the low hanging fruit of Oh Dana, you insult me. I bring up why am I. Cliffs in the uh, in the Waimea clove, Luke. But uh, but I remember when Dean Thomas was on the show and he talked how bad he felt for Dana that time. Oh, uh, Luke, this next video could have been Dana, but he playing.
0: Oh, big oh, Big Bertha just went straight oh, down boy. to the drink. Oh, yeah. see how
1: easy it is, Dana. Look at that lady; she she can do it. Ostevich this is better than the it.
0: other. This is better than the other lady there who just kind of.
1: Yeah, I couldn't big, run that one. I felt too bad for that. The lead, big you know? country. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure what she was trying to achieve here, but it looks like she's trying to run face first into the water. In which case, well done. She felt. Like yeah, a I think it was thing. a
1: belly flop challenge. or At least I'd like to believe that. Luke, we played some NXT video in the past of former Bellator fighter Valerie Loretta, now Lola Vice, having her first televised match. She just had her second one, Luke, and according to Lola, you can't handle the heat, the Miami Heat.
0: It- what, what is Oh, oh all right. Well, a modified <laughs> hip attack there.
1: Oh, I think that that just pushed the wrong button for Sol Ruka. We were feeling the Miami Heat briefly. Uh, yeah. But Sol tries to come back, but Lola, there's a cover. Uh, Luke, would you volunteer to uh, take that finishing move attempt? The rare view, I think is what they should call it. <clears throat>
0: You know, I maybe I maybe Dan is right. I may have to retract all of my power slap criticism cuz watching that, I don't know how adults watch that either candidly, you
1: know. All right. But hey, I do. don't watch anymore, so do. don't don't clown on me, all right? I watch I watch bare knuckle fighting. KO of the week time, Luke, and let's go to the BKFC Friday night heavyweight championship on the line. And oh. Alan Belcher just took that title, Luke, round 1. Damn.
0: I mean, his hand was way down. He just kind of pushed into it. It's a nice shot. There's Chris Lytle.
1: There's a new Ah. heavyweight champion, and I bet you Lamar Hunt is calling, Luke, or maybe Lorenzo, your choice on that
0: one. Yeah, he gets him to extend. He gets him to bite on the fake and gets him to extend and uh, (laughs) pops him with it. Alan Belcher. Alan Belcher. Hey, I got to say this, Luke. You know, doesn't have uh, Chris like, Lytle uh, what did, on commentary. Doesn't have he's actually um, really good
1: on BKFC. Well, UFC broadcast.
0: title to claim. He doesn't have all the great accolades, but he's got that Paul Horace win, and he's out here still knuckling people into the dirt in BKFC. It's pretty cool.
1: Oh, my audio went out if I talked over you there, Luke. I'm sorry. All right, I couldn't. It's hear okay.
0: You. I couldn't. My it, Zoom is freezing, so that's what that's the issue.
1: All right. Well, hey, let's keep uh, let's keep counting down these KOs of the week to close here. Let's go to the Muay Thai ring.
0: Yeah. Oh Jesus! He got wow. hit with the old Conlon. Blah, and the mouthpiece went out, too. Good Lord. Yo,
1: but look at the collective effort of, like, five people to save this guy from ruin, right?
0: Yeah, boy, talk about testifying in church. My man lifted the arms. Good Lord.
1: Let's go to this MMA promotion. It's called FCR, and Bernardo Sopai just commandeered the Bantamweight world title. Let's check it out. Popped him coming in. Wow. Questionable back tattoo, but you know, nice finish, Luke. Woo. Very nice
0: finish. One hitter, quitter. Good shot, BC. I'm. I'm. I, where are the old people on scooters? I'm really. Uh,
1: I don't know if we have them. We got a couple more left. Speaking of tattoos, it's time to rate that tat, Luke. UFC retired fighter edition. Let's go over to Chris Lieben, who's actually a decent follow on Instagram. Here's his new thigh tat.
0: Uh, it's not bad. I like the color a lot. It's a little much. Uh, it's a little much with the head being cut off, but it's not bad. Um, usually with Japanese, you would have some kind of broader context, or uh, in terms of the the overall piece, like you would have a, a design behind it. This is just the figure itself. Um, but it's it's not it's not terribly done.
1: All right, Luke, uh, you mentioned that the UK cuisine was not. Up to our liking at the most average level, for the most part, we ordered things that we thought were familiar, but they were just oddly shaped or out of place. Does this next video sum up our UK eating experience or what?
0: No, because that looks delicious. (laughs) And this guy looks like a dumbass. (laughs) Yeah, why don't you wear a white shirt for a croissant the size of a Volkswagen, you fuck boy?
1: All right, uh, let's go over to Maheta, Luke. You know, one of my favorite MMA fighters who's set to make his PFL debut, he recently purchased a new gun safe.
0: That's actually very responsible. I'm glad to see that, actually. I'm all right with that. I grew up in a house with a gun safe.
1: You got to keep your valuables uh, protected, Luke, and Mahetta is doing that right now. New baby. No,
0: Listen. Uh, responsible gun ownership. Two thumbs up from this guy. Now he's also got weapons of war in there, and I realize that he used to be a member of the of the law enforcement community, but uh, or no, special soldier. Excuse me, he was special. Is forces, that street right? he was, legal,
1: Luke? He was, that he that was piece?
0: well, in Texas, it probably is, right? Yeah. I mean, in Texas, you can take that to Walmart.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can walk right in on on the belt with that. Yeah, nobody would care. All right, Maheta, there you go. Finally, Luke, let's go over to the lacrosse pitch for our clip of the week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, lacrosse. Oh yeah.
0: Got him. Did you ever see that ESPN documentary over those three Native American brothers who were like phenoms no. in college lacrosse? Did you ever see that?
1: I did not. I did not. Dude,
0: those guys were amazing. They had long like braided ponytails like you see from certain Native American tribes do. And their names were amazing. I never forget. There was one dude's name. His name was Deo de Gande, which translated to I think whatever uh, uh, Native American uh, tribe they were from translated to "He scorches the sky." That was Damn. his fucking name, and I was like, "Dude, that is the coolest fucking name I've ever heard." Deo de Gande.
1: Interesting stuff, Luke. But that's. But, your then, he shit. Had, but then
0: he had like. <clears throat> but, then he had, but then they had like uh, like regular like English American names. Like their names were like Steve and you know. Jeffrey, but they had real native american names they had the coolest fucking native all three of them had cool fucking native american
1: names as long as they stay out of the duke lacrosse frat luke i think all the women will be safe although hey, that was that hey, was proved hey, wrong that hey, was proved they, wrong they,
0: they they proved in the end they were they, the you know in the famous words of the dc mayor um marion barry bitch set me up uh so that actually happened to
1: them. Uh, Mikey is telling me that that is the Thompson brothers you're referring to. Is yes. That true? They
0: have names. Here we go. They have names like miles, Jerome and Jeremy, but that's not their, that's not their native. Those are just their, you know, uh, you know, names for the American government, but they they their other names. Yeah.
1: They play for the Saskatchewan rush according yeah. to Mikey. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, they were absolute dynamos in college. Couldn't be stopped. Um, Luke, to close it.
1: this week, do you wanna shout out any of our, our great listeners? I don't know, do I? I? I assume not. I just wanted to give you the space though to do that if you
0: if You just setting me to. up for fails. I gotta I tell mean, you, lo- BC, not loving today's batch of shit. I gotta tell you, you have oh, really wow. just turned it it's turned into sports center. It's just highlights now. I wanna see I wanna see ladies on or dudes, whatever, on scooters hit into the waterfall or fall off a roof or you know, Something. Look,
1: I put a lot of time in putting that shit together. Now you're giving me a uh, a Tatiana Suarez post-fight review reaction of like, well, you know, not that moved by it. Okay. Not, you that, know, not
0: cool. that moved. I'm going to give you a solid B- minus for the, the, the shit today. B-. minus. All right.
1: I didn't even play video of the wardrobe malfunction from that match because I didn't think it was right to, Luke.
0: Uh, let me ask you about that. So if you guys didn't see it, there was moments there where Montana De La Rosa had to literally leave her hands addressing the takedown. Of Tatiana Suarez to go and then adjust her sports bra. Folks have said, "Well, what they should do is just wear rash guards." But the rash guards, man, that's a lot of. It, there is a difference when you wear it. It's certainly better for protection. I think it feels to me like Venom gear needs to like adjust that shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could also just wear the Roxanne Modafferi shirt with the arm bands. That's and the ra- that's knee- rash guard. That's the, rash the knee guard. brace. Oh, that's what you're talking about—a rash yeah. guard. Oh, I that's I didn't hear guard. the t. I didn't know the t-shirt was called the rash guard. Look, I'm sorry. I'm not yeah. in the jiu-jitsu community on the level of you okay
0: do you know what the equivalent of rash guards are for the for your legs for your pants do you know what they call those uh shooting sleeves spats 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 spanks Spats. No. okay not those spanks are what women wear to like you know it's like the pantyhose they wear they like yeah, they, it's, it's like a
1: it, it's like the, They tease you. It's like a it's a bait and switch. It'd be like if I wore those new men's t shirts that accentuate your pectorals, but really don't show how fat you are. Luke, I mean yeah. I might need those eventually. You
0: know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we join the club. We're all there. Yeah. yeah. Hey, next week I want to see some old ladies get thrown into the drink or something.
1: All right, all right. Yeah, I might shower this week too, you know, Luke? I might.
0: Uh, okay, BC, let's remind everyone, tons of interviews and other stuff on youtube.com slash morning combat, including the, the excuse me, the Valentina Shevchenko interview, plus our pregame preview with Chuck Mindenhall. available now. Go get it. You want to reach the show, the producers will find it, morningcombat at gmail.com. That'll be for Wednesday's fan subs, Friday's dead wrongs, or just to talk to the producers if you need to reach them. It does not and go a, to me in BC, so we're not going to And a see
1: reminder, it. you can also check out our Arnold Allen room service diaries. We shot yes. three of them in the UK. Michael Venom Page is coming out tomorrow, and it's tremendous. Paul Craig is coming out in the near future, and it's arguably even better than Arnold Allen. It's debatable, Luke. We did three fantastic interviews that I can't wait for the people to see. YouTube.com. Yeah. Slash uh, com.
0: All, all very true. So there's that. Uh, Showtime.com is the label that pays. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Uh, and then last but not least, of course, morningcombat.store. BC, any final thoughts before we conclude today's programming?
1: Uh, I'd like to shout out Reggie Jackson for his appearance today, Luke. He's probably uh, out in a litter box somewhere in the basement, but uh, he's doing great in life. Big fan of that guy. So, uh, Luke, it was great to, to recap the weekend with you. I, you know, these, these Monday shows, these two-hour shows, are arguably the best two hours of my entire week.
0: I wish I could say I feel the same. All
1: right. All right. I got a lot of snacks I'm, I'm teasing. T-
0: I love today's show, but I'm ready to, for it to be over, BC. All right. So for Brian Campbell, for Reggie Jackson, for Malka, CBS Sports, and Showtime, I'm Luke Thomas. That's Brian Campbell. And until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.